0: For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba
1: Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now.
0: Good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba. And for all of those joining us live on the interweb, good morning to you and welcome to the illegal curve hockey show i am the unexpected host of today's show dave minouk joined by my main man ezzy ginsburg yo we yo. have a we have a frozen drew mandel i was actually going to bring drew into the stream as because he was just frozen in time and it would have been the best way to have drew he's there but he's not saying anything and that's Is drew elsa or anna he's I, he's one of the two he might be both no he's more of a Oh, now, see, now my frozen knowledge is being... He's, more, o- he's more of an Olaf. O- Olaf, there we go. Olaf anyway, is the snowman. There you go. Well, that, that's more Mendel. So good morning to everyone and welcome to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show where you get to spend two hours with potentially three of us this mo- this Saturday morning. Getting away from the heat, Asy, You know all about the heat right now. Uh, what's going on in your house uh, over there in uh, River Heights?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Big shout out to Bill from Tropic Mechanical. He's currently... Installing a new AC unit here at our River Heights Maison. But well, we got Drew back here. So I obvi- obviously, obviously, if one of us doesn't have air conditioning, the other one doesn't have internet. I have no <laughs> idea what's happening, but uh, I'm just <laughs> glad, Drew, that you've got your your uh, internet back up.
1: I'm glad that I have it back up and working too. Hopefully, it'll continue working. I'm glad you're getting air conditioning so that uh, you no longer have the hottest, hot, uh, hottest house in 80 the 80 degrees,
2: boys. That's what it was when I woke up. It's about 75 degrees Fahrenheit out. Um, Drew, you go to the U.S. a lot more than I do. I'm not going to do the conversion. It's about 25 Celsius, it's, but yeah, far my, too hot. It's, my, it's hot a my house out, is hotter yeah. than it is outside. It's about 75 outside and 80 in, in my house. So that's why I've got a towel here because I just, keep, <laughs> I just keep sweating. So I'm just going to be using this towel uh, every so often, but, uh, yes, Bill from Tropic Mechanical, big shout out. He came last Sunday and he d- usually doesn't work to do a, a service call Uh, Then he had to find a unit for us. But yeah, it's been it's been pretty hot. So hopefully everybody listening and watching uh, has air conditioning in their house.
1: Well, you know, as I was, you know, I was sincere with my offer that your wife and kids could come over and take advantage of our air conditioning. And I was even more sincere that you're allowed to stand on my driveway while I pelt you with ice cubes. Um, so that was, that was a legitimate offer. I'm sorry you didn't take me up on it. Didn't it didn't sound
2: bad that. because at that time we didn't have power. Like it's been a rough little stretch for us here in River Heights. Like foundation work, no power, uh, no air conditioning. I think our hot water tank is also going. So I might have to get Bill from Tropic Mechanical to look at that. But yeah, being pelted by ice cubes actually didn't sound that bad earlier this week.
1: They were jagged, just so the for the record. They were very sharp and jagged. I was, I was sort of sharpening them with a shiv to really make sure that they would do as much damage as, as humanly possible. That's just uh, the kind of guy I am. But I'm glad to hear that you're uh, on the road to uh, cooler temperatures because it certainly does not seem as though that's going to be the case here in Winnipeg as the long-term forecast looks very much like the short-term forecast with some hot, hot heat coming your way. That doesn't even account for the... Hot, hot heat that the Winnipeg Jets are going to be generating, or at least should be generating, could be generating on the trade market, on the free agency market. Really, as Daily Faceoff's Frank Steravelli wrote yesterday, the summer of Chevy, Hellebuck, Scheifele, Dubois, and Wheeler, prominent on Daily Faceoff's newest trade bait board which of course is something that gets updated periodically throughout the course of the season and off season but the core members of the Winnipeg Jets certainly prominent on that one starting with Connor Hellbuck coming in at number two on that board behind Eric Carlson of the San Jose Sharks so another week with no real news from the Winnipeg Jets world but you know that the storm is coming because of all the big decisions this team has to make Dave M.
0: Well, I mean, I, I think it's funny that he's saying now is the summer of, of Kevin shovel day I'm thinking, wait, it's been like the summer of Kevin shovel day for the last three years. Although I think probably the most uh, app representation is when Judy Owen did the article for the cottager of Kevin shovel with his feet up at the cottage, <laughs> kicking back and relaxing. Cause that, that seemed like the summer of Chevy, but, um, no, I mean, I think, I think it's, it's a fair assessment as he towels himself off for the people who are listening on the podcast and don't have the benefit of seeing that, uh, transpire. It's kind of like when as and I, and, uh, drew, I think you were, no, you weren't with us at 2013 in the draft in, uh, at New Jersey. And then as no. and I were walking around New York, it was, oh, it was boy. a bit of a Schwitzer in New yeah. York. It was known that, as the great chafe of 2013. <laughs> great chafe. Oh, God. Anyway. So the point is, I was just gonna say great sweat, but as as took it to the next level, Point is that uh that yeah, no, I mean look, this is this is a time to figure it out for the Winnipeg Jets and figure out what this team is going to be. I'm not I'm not gonna go so as bold as as Frank did in his prediction where he said maybe all four will be moving. I don't see all four will be moving. I think I think if you get a 50% movement, I think you guarantee yourself 25. I think that's Pierre Luc Dubois. Yeah. I think that the the other three are in the heavy question mark. And I think, you know, I, I don't even know which of those three I would mix and match. I think Mark Scheifele is probably sticking around. I think Connor Hellebuck is probably sticking around. Blake Wheeler, I put in the toss up range. This is just my own assessment. And I think Pierre-Luc Dubois is gone. Well, boys, do we know if the,
2: if if Pierre-Luc Dubois bank has invited invited him to the 2023 (laughs) draft in Nashville? Because if we, if we know that, if we know that he's going to be at the draft with his bank, uh, then we know that he's not going to be traded right but i mean you're 100% right and you know drew mentions frank's board and you know Frank, good show, good friend of the the program and and obviously like you know a lot of the hockey world has their eyes on the jets for obvious reasons with these guys all on the last year of their contracts right um but we talked about it the likelihood Um, or you know the chances that all of these guys being moved is is at the same time is is really low or you know being moved at all is is really low right it's very rare that you see an NHL team trade you know two of their top centers doesn't mean it's not going to happen but I think you know you would have to expect these trades to have a little bit of you know time between them if they do happen right and yeah like I think Pierre-Luc Dubois um, you know has to be at the top of the list but you know I was thinking about this boys after last weekend show, like the more and more time passes and you know, the more and more you see articles coming coming out about Connor Hellebuck. Like we talked about Kenny Weeb's article last weekend, linking Hellebuck and Shifley to the hurricanes, right? Like, like, mm-hmm. You know, Drew did his you know over under, and I made fun of him a little bit because I think he put it at Hellebuck was at sixty percent, if I'm not mistaken. Drew.
1: Oh, I have you... no recollection. That was almost a week. That was over a week ago. I don't. My brain yeah. doesn't work that. It was, back it seven was days. two weeks
2: ago. I think you had Pierre two weeks Luce ago. Yeah. <laughs> then there's,
1: there's no chance I remember her at all.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, I think you had Dubois at eighty percent over under, and then you had Hellebuck at sixty percent over under, right, Dave? Sounds right. So I, I would probably possible. you know I, I would revisit my answer. I mean, it's so hard to know, guys, because we don't know you know, what type of contract extension talks have happened when you're talking about, you know, Scheifele or, or Hellebuck or, or Dubois. Obviously, you know, Wheeler's not getting a contract extension. And then I agree, it's going to be the toughest to move that contract. You know, are you going to have to absorb half of the contract or are you going to have to throw in a draft pick or a, a prospect? But, I mean, there, there's no doubt, boys, it's been very quiet the last month. But, you know, you've got three and a half weeks until the draft and you have to think that, you know, there's a strong chance that we're going to see some movement before, you know, whatever the, the the exact date of the draft is June twenty seventh, June June twenty eighth, it's definitely gonna heat up even more than uh, my house right now.
1: It's hard to believe that anything can be hotter than that. But you're, you know, what what's gonna happen is the Stanley Cup final, which believe it or not, starts tonight after the NHL took a rare uh, six week break in the middle of the uh, in the middle of the playoffs. That's unusual that they did that. By the yeah. way, has there ever been a Stanley Cup final? I mean, just it just kills all momentum. And we can talk about this later on in the show to have that five days off between the conference final and, uh, and the Stanley cup final. It's like, who cares at this point in time, but uh, that's a separate issue for another day in time to discuss. But, you know, the NHL basically tells their teams, we don't want you making much noise. Well, the cup final is going on. That's why uh, Tre Living and Dubis get announced. You know, on what day was that? That was uh, Wednesday, Thursday. So they get announced Thursday before media day in the cup final yesterday. So now the focus for the league for the next week or ten days can be the the, the cup final itself. So it's really right after that that you're going to start to see things. I think pick up from the Winnipeg Jets perspective, but. You know, the more I think about it, I think it's not going to be. I mean, this, we know what this team is. We know how cautious this organization is. I firmly, I, I'd be shocked if there's been a discussion between Ke- uh, Kevin Sheveldayoff and Mark Chipman and that they sit down in agreement and saying, yeah, we have to tear it down to, to its studs. It's just not their style. It's not their approach. I think they still think that they can wring something out of this group. Now, does that mean that I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you, Dave. I think Dubois is the only guy who goes just because the writing is so vividly on the wall for him that I don't think you can go any further with him. It's very much like Truba was a number of years ago. The writing was on the wall. You know, he did what he was going to do. He, he fulfilled his obligation to the Winnipeg Jets organization and then he was going to leave. Mm -hmm. Or Luke Dubois, same thing. He fulfilled his obligation to the Winnipeg Jets, or he will have fulfilled it by the time uh, this coming season ends, the 23-24 season ends, and he has no interest in re-signing here. If he was going to re-sign here long-term, I think that deal would have already been done. It just seems to be the case. I don't think his value in the trade market or his value as a potential unrestricted free agent has cratered or anything despite the game 5 performance despite the fact that there are times when he can disappear for you know more than one game at a time i still think one
2: game's not going to change anything like you said drew
1: well, I mean that that one game can be, you know, that one game can still be healed. I think everyone still looks at it, still looks at the tantalizing package that he brings to the table. And also, the
2: fact that the whole team was bad in that game. It wasn't like it was just Dubois. I mean, there was right there was a lot of blame to go around in Game Five.
1: You're right. There was a lot of blame. It wasn't strictly him. It's not. like You're right. That's a fair comment. Uh, that's a fair comment from your perspective, Ezzy. But this is just where the Jets are. They refuse to make what I would describe as as Tough decisions, Dave M.
0: No, I, I don't disagree with you. And and look, these are extraordinarily tough decisions because ultimately you'll never get more for Connor Hellebuck than you will this summer. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking about trading Connor Hellebuck, this is the summer to do it. First of all, it's the draft to do it in advance of, and this is the summer to do it because this is his highest value. His contract is very reasonable for a team. Like Carolina Hurricanes who want to challenge for a Stanley Cup and think that maybe he would be a, a difference maker, it would be you know any, any any of those teams, Boston, any of those teams that I don't are know
3: Pittsburgh.
2: That, like P- Pittsburgh. I keep thinking Pittsburgh makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know that they're running it back. The problem, the problem, with, Malkin The, Letang.
0: the, the problem Trist, is Tristan
2: Jari obviously isn't the guy, Dave.
0: Yeah, the problem with Pittsburgh is they have no assets. Like that's the problem. If you're the Jets organization, like Pittsburgh doesn't have a deep prospect pool. They don't have a tremendous amount of assets. And so, from a from a from a from a stat, you know, from a analysis of their a team, yeah, I agree with you. As he Pittsburgh would make a lot of sense for a team that's you know got Malkin, got Crosby, got Latang, wants to win a Stanley Cup with this window, with this group. I just don't think that they they have what the Jets will want back. In terms of assets that are for a Connor Hallebuck type of goaltender. But again, if you look at like Carolina Hurricanes, if you look at some of these teams like Weber did it, Scott Billick did a really good article in the Winnipeg Sun talking about some potential trade partners. So if you didn't get a chance to read those, they're all linked in a little thing called the morning papers. But that, you know, I to me, I'm just saying Pierre Luc Dubois can get you a a decent return, even with his contract status, even with his desired, you know, his desire to go to Montreal. I think ultimately the Jets could do something similar to what they had what Calgary had happened with Kachuk. You can find a team that's going to want him. You can sign him to an extension if that's interesting to them, if that's interesting to the player. If he doesn't, I mean, again, he's a young guy, relatively speaking. What is he, 24? I think 24, right, is he? So he's, he's young. So even if he's not ready to go to Montreal this year or next year because Montreal is still in that rebuilding phase, I'm not entirely certain they want him yet. There's options there that you can get a team who may, and again, like Weber wrote, it's potential. It's possible that some teams are willing to take a flyer and say, listen, a cup is that significant for our organization that we're yeah. willing to pay a high price and 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 take a risk and say, well, we'll take him for, you may not get as much as you're going to get if you've signed him to a deal, but I'm just saying that you might get someone. So Dubois and Hellebuck, you know, and Scheifele also has a lot of upside, but as, as he says, what do you do when you're a team that like the Jets, you trade away two of your top centers and your top goaltender potentially and forget about like forget about Blake Wheeler cuz he is what he is at this point but those three guys are the ones that have value Wheeler is a player if you're trading him you're having to give something up to get rid of that contract
1: honestly at this point in time with when it comes to Blake Wheeler and I say this that he you know he was one of the Jets best forwards in the playoffs and you know he had a very he had a very useful season. Sure, he's getting paid too much money, but so be it. It's only on a, on a one year deal for any team that put, could potentially acquire him. But from the Jets' perspective. I think you just have to move on. It's addition by subtraction when it when it comes to Blake Wheeler and his outsized influence on the Winnipeg Jets dressing room. We know that that influence is still there. The players themselves said it at the end of the season after the contentious back and forth between the players and head coach Rick Bonus. So, you can't run Wheeler back into the dressing room, uh, you know, given the given the the back and forth between the coach and the player who is no longer the captain, but as the players themselves said, they all see him still as the captain. You need to move on from that. You just have to, even if you don't get a return, even if you have to eat a little bit of salary, I know, you know, you don't necessarily like doing that, but there's no reason to think that the Winnipeg Jets culture which is not a great culture and I'm being charitable when I say that you have it's not going to improve it's not going to change with Blake Wheeler still in that dressing room can he still perform you know to a decent degree on the ice take salary out of the equation yes yes he can but more than that more than his on-ice performance it's his off-ice uh way of of leading that needs to that needs to change within the jets dressing room.
2: I would agree with that. The only thing is if you're not buying Wheeler out, you're not getting much back in return, right? You That's guys fine. agree with that, Addition right?
1: By subtraction.
2: No, I I and, and I agree with that. And I mean, it doesn't mean it's it's for sure gonna happen, by the way, Drew. Like yeah, you know, for all this talk, and you know, we we you know 15 minutes ago referenced Frank's trade bait board. Mm-hmm. You know, just because these guys like Dave talks about this every year, I mean, you could go year by year, go back, to, you know, however far you want to go back, 2017, 2018. I mean, these guys don't all get traded. A lot of them do, right? Um, but as we talked about earlier, uh, you know, there's a good chance that if a couple of these guys get moved, or three or four of these guys get moved, it's going to happen. You know, starting in mid to late June, and then it might happen, you know, deeper into the summer and you know into the beginning of training camp or prior to training camp, right? But when you're talking about Wheeler, I mean, if you are trading him and not getting a lot back, or buying him out, because that certainly is an option, even though the Jets haven't done that a lot. Yeah. Um, You know, there is a hole on the wing, right? And, and you know, you look at, um, you know, Nikolai Ehlers and Kyle Connor and Nito Niederreiter and you'd throw Cole Perfetti in there because he's obviously been used as a winger at the NHL level. But, you know, then that kind of changes, you know, what you're going to do. And that's why, you know, we've been talking about this for the last four weeks. You know, depending on what you get in return for some of these players, if they're traded, obviously, you know, that can affect the next trade because you'd assume that a center is coming back you know, for Pierre-Luc Dubois. And if it turns out to be Montreal, we've talked about it. It's not going to be Nick Suzuki, who's the captain of the Habs. That's an un- untouchable player. It's not going to be Cole Caulfield, who's obviously a winger, but he's about to sign an extension. I think um, it's been reported that he's going to sign a seven or eight year extension, right? So who's it going to be? Well, Kirby Doc is the guy that I've always you know, mentioned, even though he's been used as a winger. But I don't think you're doing Pierre-Luc Dubois for for Kirby Doc. Doc is one or two years younger than Dubois, but all, obviously, you know, Dubois is more established as an NHL player. Even though I think Doc, you know, his his career year last year is he's only going to get better, right? So, I mean, there's a lot of things here. I think you know the biggest, um, you know, uh, I guess wrinkle that's being thrown into all of this is the unknown status of the contract negotiations, right? Like we don't know has Mark Scheifele's camp talked to you know, Chevy and, and the Jets management, you know, has Connor helped. Like if Connor Hellebuck's not going to be signed long-term, well, that then if, if the answer to that is no, then obviously he's going to be traded. The Jets aren't going to go into next year, you know, with lame duck Connor Hellebuck and then trade him before the trade deadline. Cause as we know, the Jets are going to be going for the playoffs next year. They've said repeatedly, this isn't going to be a rebuild. So that's the thing. It's really hard to know who's going to be traded first. How many of these core four are going to be traded uh, I think we all expect there to be changes but it's just hard like right now I don't think anybody can say with certainty that all four of these players are going to be traded or two of the four are going to be traded and and which is going to be the first one we expected to be Pierre luc Dubois but how much confidence does do any of us have um, in that because we thought it was going to happen last year
1: that's a fair point you know and you're right everyone's sort of waiting. <laughs> pardon me, to see what was going to happen with Dubois, and then he ended up signing uh, the qualifying offer for the one year, I think, if I recall correctly, before arbitration. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, you make a valid point, he I mean, that we don't know and that there's still so much noise and everything else, and you would hope and you have to believe that there are some sort of frank conversations happening between Jets management, and between the player representatives, the player agents for all these guys, to see, to really discuss with them, particularly Hellebuck, Dubois, and Scheifele, less so Wheeler, of course, you know, what is their mindset? Are these guys interested in, in re-signing? And you would hope that after all the years together that you've spent with one another, that there's some honest responses coming back, and not and so that the Jets can, can plan. But at the same time, the player agents and the players themselves aren't obligated to provide any assurances whatsoever. So sometimes the general manager might have to take a bit of a leap. He might have to take a bit of a gamble one way or another. We saw that it bit Brad to living in the behind when they try, when they went into free agency with Johnny Goudreau and he signed in Columbus. So he took that risk and it ended up blowing up in his face. Other times, and then he didn't want to do that again with Matthew Kachuk. But at the same time, Kachuk's representative said, look, we're not going to resign here. So he went out and he made the best deal he could in getting Hubert o and Wieger. And most people thought he did pretty okay with that trade at the time. So, you know, you have to at some point in time, and pardon the expression and, you know, cover any children's ears if they're listening, you got to shit or get off the pot. And it's now time for Kevin Chevaldeoff to decide what he's going to do. What is your maneuver going to be over the next three weeks, month, as we lead into the end of the season and then the silly season with uh, in, the, in the lead up to the draft? You can't just kick the can down the road constantly, Dave. You have yeah. to at some point in time make a definitive decision. Indecision, you know, by per, indecision sometimes just leads to paralysis, and that has been the scenario for the Winnipeg Jets too often, I believe.
0: You know, as a lifelong procrastinator, Drew, I can attest yeah. to that uh, to that mindset. But you're absolutely right. And I think what it ultimately comes down to is that I think, if anything, you're going to see what we saw with Jacob Truba, right? There was that indecision. There was there, the constant, he doesn't want to be here, doesn't want to be here, doesn't want to be here. Okay, so then what happens? The Jets, a few weeks before the the, the draft, mm-hmm. deal Jacob Truba to give themselves a few more assets at the, you know, 2019 uh, NHL draft, and I think that's similar to what you'll see here. I, and again, I'm, I'm trending towards believing that's Pierre Luc Dubois going somewhere. I don't, somewhere in the east, and I, and again, maybe, maybe like
2: La Belle Provence, like maybe the Habs, I Dave. Maybe I don't, I, I don't so just, Habs, just a guess, just a hunch. Yeah.
0: Maybe as, but I no, I, I don't think so. I think I think I see a, t- a contender being willing to deal some assets for at least a year of his services to give them a a, a big center that they think will help put them over the edge. That's again my own Carolina uh, Hurricanes. Sure, exactly. You know, a guy. You know, uh, add some add some depth there, especially with what they were missing on the wing as he, uh, you know, in terms of injuries this year. And obviously, I think Pachiradi is a UFA. But the fact of the matter is, you've got to. You've got to think that he is the he is the first domino, Drew. If we're gonna just use these analogies, he's the first domino to drop mm-hmm. for the Jets. And again, I agree with you. You have to have those conversations. And you're right, teams don't have to give you assurances. I mean, there's it's all about leverage in a lot of these instances and teams and players saying, Listen, like I can leverage this. I know where you're at. But I, you know, to me personally, like Matthew Kachuk, I agree. Brad Trey living, Brad Trey Living did a pretty good job, regardless of the outcome. It's always easy to look back. You know, hindsight's 2020 or 2014 if you're looking at pure vision. But I think it's always look, easy to look back and go, look at Florida. They fleeced them. But like Uyghur, look how good Uyghur was in the World Championship. Mackenzie Uyghur is a guy that Jets fans would be I'll salivating. I'll take Uyghur
2: any day of the week.
0: I was going to say, Jets fans would be salivating He's at a having great him defenseman paired up with Josh Morrissey. And remember, there was talk when the Flames were thinking maybe they have to blow it up. Again, Jets fans would be would do well to get Mackenzie Uyghur on that right side paired up with Josh Morrissey. But my point is, he did a pretty good job because I thought the Kachuk camp, you know, hemmed him in, and I thought what Dubois' agent did earlier in the year or last, whenever it was, it feels like two years ago, ten years ago, who knows what it was. But when they were talking about, uh, you know, when he went on um, the 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 show in in Quebec and he started talking about Pierre Luc Dubois and all that stuff, like these agents, I understand sometimes you want to force a hand. First of all, if if you if you're a student of history, you know that Kevin Shovel doesn't get his hand forced. So that's 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 a that's an ill. Tack to take, I think personally. But I also think that it just doesn't do the GM any good. You make it known because it's not like Pierre Dubois was like every year, like, I want to be traded. Like, he may say, I I don't want to sign. Ultimately, I want to be somewhere else. But I'm just saying that it wasn't as similar to the Truba or Vander Kane situation where they may be looking to get out for years, in my estimation. So I just think that you don't do the GM any favors by, again, making it look like you are wanting to leave because that lead that, you know, the latitude, the the leverage that he has is, is lessened. And, and then he, and a guy like Sheffield Dayoff, who's so concerned about what the long-term ramifications are going to be, isn't going to make that deal in sort of a quick mood, move. More Jets
1: talk coming up next with Sean Reynolds. Rennie himself joins us on the program. It's Saturday morning. You're watching the illegal curve hockey show. Bottom of hour number one. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Dave Manuk's in the top right. Ezra Ginsberg's in the bottom middle. I'm Grandpa Drew Mendel. what a
4: hat.
5: program. <laughs>
1: that young whippersnapper himself, oh, yes. John Reynolds. Yes. Even after yes. he reached me on Twitter all week long, we still. Love I can see Twitter it's show. it's
5: been in your head. It's I've been living rent free in your head ever since, it's and true. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Just been. Sean, I've you're been like
2: the Matthew Kachuk of. Of, uh, Winnipeg Sports Media just getting under
1: Drew's
5: skin. Except without any of the talent. But yeah, I think you, you nailed it, Ezzie.
1: I've just been rocking back and forth in the fetal position for the last three or four days. But nonetheless, I'm going to try and survive the interview. And uh, I'll try not to yell at any clouds or anything like that. Good morning, <laughs> Rennie. How are you, buddy?
5: I'm doing great, Drew. How are you doing, buddy?
1: I'm doing fine and dandy. Good to see you on this scorching hot Saturday morning. Yeah. Figured you'd be out at the lake.
5: Well, I think that's Ezzy is doing the same yeah. thing as me. We're going to like hold hands yeah. as we drive out to Lactivani yeah. together on the we'll uh, be on 59 side by no side. Time. Yeah. There you go. Yeah.
1: We appreciate you delaying the, the the trip out there and spending a couple minutes with us. Obviously, Sean, the topic of conversation is the Big Four and the big and the questions regarding the Winnipeg Jets and their off season. We've been talking about it for weeks on end. Of course, there hasn't been a ton of news regarding the Jets. It's more of this holding pattern. But as yeah. you sit here today, the calendar has rolled into June. It's a beautiful Saturday morning. Of the four, of Shifley, Wheeler, Dubois. Hellebuck, how many do you foresee being a member of the Winnipeg Jets at the start of training camp?
5: Oh, geez. Um, the answer, especially uh, if if none of them are going to resign, and I don't think any of them are, the answer should be none. Like they they should all be moved. You can't you can't forego the opportunity to get back the assets that you can you can get back for those players. <laughs> If they're going to leave, I'll say this last year when everyone thought that they were going uh, wholesale and moving everybody out, I was pretty uh, I was saying it early. I, I like I was on fan 590 in Toronto and I went on the record early on and them they thought I was absolutely crazy but I thought that they were going to run it back last year because I just thought that you know Kevin off and Mark Chipman and the way that they felt about this group they they had not given themselves the opportunity to see what that group looked like with a new coach uh and they wanted that they wanted to see if what they had done all these number of years would have worked if they would have just maybe tried something different um and the answer was was yes they, they would have seen something different and then and in the end, the answer turned out to be no, because this group against its own best. Uh, interest seem to work against its best interest, and therein lies the issue that you need to address. By the, like, even even if you weren't staring at a situation where you were losing a number of these players, if you didn't have the urgency of losing these players to unrestricted free agency next year, I think you'd have to go out and try and address what we saw with this team anyway. The fact that they were given the blueprint to succeed and chose to crumple up that blueprint and throw it out the window. So th- they should be. Moving on uh, from all those players, most definitely because, you know, if you lose them for nothing, that really sets this organization back. Now, is that going to happen? I I think think it is. Um, the only other thing that would make sense is that if they didn't get the prices, uh, the returns that they wanted with a couple of them, I think you have to move at least two and then maybe hold on to the others and decide to deal them at the trade deadline or something like that if you felt that maybe you would get better value at the trade deadline. But you cannot let Mark Shifley, you cannot let Pierre-Luc Dubois, and I think you most definitely cannot let Connor Hellebuck walk out the door next year without getting anything back because you know i to me the linchpin in all this is Connor hellbuck i think he's the reason they haven't torn things down because he from behind the scenes what i'm hearing has said you know he 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 was good he wasn't going to re-up unless they had a winner right so i think the jets kind of kept everything together because they thought that was the most direct path to having a winner but with without him re-signing which i don't think that he will you need to move him because he if you can hook up a sign and trade with him, you could get a King's ransom back for that and really put this organization in a great spot going forward. I think that's what they need to do.
2: Sean, I'm not sure about you, but with, you know, you just mentioned Hellbuck and that's who I wanted to ask you about. And you know, we started talking about this, obviously, as soon as the jets were bounced in the first round by, by Vegas. And at that time, you know, I, I was adamant saying that, how could you, if you're going for it, trade a, 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 a guy who's been nominated for the Vesna three of the last five years. But as you said, I mean, if there isn't a contract extension coming, then that obviously makes this decision a lot easier, right? But mm-hmm. I guess the, the question I wanted to ask you, and, I, and I'm sure you've either been asked this question you know, or or you may, you've you maybe thought about this. Pondered it, yeah. Did Sergei Bobrovsky's performance change anything for you? Because I'll give Drew credit. He brought this up a couple of weeks ago, right? Because all of the talk around Bobrovsky was this guy's, you know, at the tail end of his career, he's overpaid. He's not even the number one goalie, right? Like at the beginning of the year, you forget it was Spencer Knight. And then obviously, you know, Spencer Knight had to take care of his personal issues. But, I mean, Bobrovsky has kind of... Flipped everything on its head, right? In terms of you know coming in for Alex Lyon in round one, and then basically pl- playing like you know he's wearing a JS Jaguer jersey from back in in two thousand three, yeah. right? So great reference. That, does that does that change anything for you, or or do you do you think that I mean because it looks like Hellebuck isn't going to sign the big contract, the Jets are going to have to move him,
5: and obviously when his trade value is the highest. Well, I think I think it changes things in that I think it makes it a lot easier to move and get. You know, big assets back for Connor Hellebuck. If if you're asking if it changes things in the idea that you just lock that guy down for ten years and think that you know, ten years from now he's going to be doing something like that for you. Uh, Sorry, I shouldn't say ten years. I know I'm being ridiculous, right? But um, you get it, right? Fifteen years, like Rick DiPietro, Sean. Yeah, if eight years from now you're looking at that and the Jets have dipped and they've come back up and he's still doing what he's doing. you know, I, I, I get the premise. I, I just think there's too much in between now and then what the Jets need to, to, to do. Like, I think the Jets need to tear down and rebuild. And I think the quickest way you do that and the best way you do that so that you get the results uh, and the assets back that will make you a really good team going forward. I think that he's, like I would said, I think he's the linchpin in all this because I think you can get a lot. Bobrovsky's the kind of guy, and we saw this just a couple of years ago from Kerry Price as well, that makes it hard for guys like us to say what's going to happen in the playoffs, right? Because the thing about a guy like Bobrovsky and Carey Price, I thought was the perfect example about this is we all thought like Bobrovsky and Carey Price before him were past their due date, right? And you can find this sometimes with defensemen as well. Shea Weber was a great example of that with the Montreal Canadiens. These players who were great, and then we all look at them and say, okay, they're past their due date, they're past their prime they're headed down their careers but the thing that's interesting about the nhl playoffs is you can get a guy who can't do it for 82 games anymore and i think that's where carrie price was but if you ask them we need 24 great games out of you well they've got the pedigree they've got the ability and then probably as older players they've got the still the ability to kind of be As sharp as they possibly can for that short window. And that's why you're able to see a guy like Bobrovsky return to the greatest heights that we've seen from him before. Now, who here thinks that next year, and regardless of what happens in the final, um, Bobrovsky will return to being one of the best goalies in the league for for the regular season? I would never put any money on that. I think you're going to see him return to being that same frustrating goaltender that he's been for years. But in this tiny little moment of time, he's got a, a ceiling on his game that exists much higher than a lot of other uh, goaltenders, a lot of other players. And because of that, if he could just get back to that ceiling, that That makes those guys extremely dangerous in the playoffs. So to bring this back to Connor Hellebuck, if I take a look at this right now, what you're seeing from Connor Hellebuck is that goalie, like you'd said, you know, you know, uh, nominated for, for the best goaltender in the league three of the last five years. Well, He's established around the league that he's got that ceiling that Carey Price had, that Sergei Bobrovsky had. So now if I'm a team, I don't mind signing him to big money for eight years because right now he's in the heart of being able to do it for 82 games a year and then let's see what happens in the playoffs. But even if the last four years of that contract, he starts slowing down a bit, I still think that if I get into the playoffs, I can get the hyper-focused version of Connor Hellebuck who can... Elevate his game in the playoffs, even if we need to bring in a backup who handles a lot more of the load during the regular season. I think what we're seeing from Bobrovsky here is when you get those elite, elite goaltenders that only pop up. I mean, you can have Flurry's one of them that's in the league over the last number of years. Carey Price, Sergey Bobrovsky, there's a short list of them. Connor Hellebuck is right up at the top of that list. So that means that if I'm a team and we know that he wants to get paid and what it's going to take is $9 million, $10 million for Connor Hellebuck and it's going to take an eight-year contract, it's a little easier for me to sign that contract and take that risk being able to look around and see what Kerry Price did a couple of years ago and what Sergei Bobrovsky is doing right now
1: sean reynolds our guest on the illegal curve hockey show saturday morning we're live on all of our social media platforms and of course our youtube channel
0: sean your answer was so hot it had as he's sweating that's how (laughs) i know look at that i I, I don't have any ac
2: sean there's a bill from tropic mechanicals here right now uh, but we (laughs) haven't had any ac so it's currently 80 degrees in my house so that's why i'm uh, toweling myself off here
5: I was going to say your mind's already at the lake and that's, uh, you got a beer be in jumping one
2: hand. Into the lake. And, uh, as soon as I get out there, I'm jumping in cannonball style. You bet. Love it.
0: Sean, what, you know, <laughs> well, you, <it's>, don't. <laughs> no, you don't know, yeah, you don't You want to when the <laughs> tidal wave hits, hits you at your lake, but, uh, That's right. but regardless, look, I mean, the, the jets have had nothing but questions for a number of years and you know, it's funny because now we're saying, is this the summer of Kevin shovel day off when we feel like we've been saying that every year
5: yeah. and every
0: year there's, there's, there's question marks and now it's not really at forward. It is in terms of what are you going to do with these guys, but you don't really have that push from down below. But on defense, you do. And last year, we saw what happened. They lost Johnny Kovacevic, who played 77 games for the Montreal Canadiens. Again, you've got Ville knocking at the door. Now, Ville to his chagrin, probably is a waiver-exempt player for next year. So he doesn't have, uh, you know, he doesn't have to worry, the Jets don't have to worry about him as much. Although, again, if you listen to his end-of-season media availability for the Moose, he is going to be determined to be making that Jets team out of camp. He's going to be working his butt off this summer. Declan Chisholm, another young, Young guy, no longer waiver exempt. AHL All-Star, excellent player. He is no longer waiver exempt. What do you see the Jets doing on this on this blue line? Because they've got players now pushing up from the AHL. Unlike, like I said, at forward, in the defensive position, they do. But they don't have the room based on the way this, the current contracts are structured. Well, I I
5: think you don't necessarily have the kind of guys like uh, unless they're thinking of moving Josh Morrissey and if they are shame on them, what a ridiculous thing to do at this stage Uh, outside of a guy like Josh Morrissey. I think you don't necessarily have the names that, you know, really will like, you know, take the break the needle off on the meter the way that you do with Connor Hellebuck or even a Mark Scheifele or even a Pierre-Luc Dubois you don't have those kind of names but I do think on the back end when it comes to some of the players that you have there if you are going to try and strike some deals where you're moving you know Mark Scheifele well if you're packaging up Mark Scheifele and then moving you know a Nate Schmidt along with that or maybe a Brendan Dillon or something like that I think it opens up the possibilities that you have because if you are tearing down Uh, and I'm all, this has always been my theory. If you're going to tear down, I don't think it's a good idea to tear down to the studs, right? You can't move everything and create, you know, a, a leadership gap inside the room where there's just a bunch of young guys trying to figure it out and no one's showing them the path. So I don't necessarily advocate for tearing everything right down, but at the same time, do you really need Brendan Dillon where he is in his career right now or Nate Schmidt? If you are moving uh, uh, Connor Hellebuck, uh, Mark Shifley, Pierre-Luc Dubois and you know probably Blake Wheeler in the process and then kind of handing things over to the younger players on this team and the prospects that you bring in you probably don't so I I think that question is a tough one to answer because I think that if you're trying to make the kind of trades the Jets will be trying to make with those players sometimes the easiest way to do that is to add in another player here or there or take on another player back so I, I don't think those are the the moves where you're like saying to the league okay we're moving Brendan Dillon who wants Brendan Dillon I think it ends up being one of those trades where it's like okay we're moving Mark Shifley and we could throw in this beast of a defenseman who's a great guy in the room who could really do like let, let's say Mark Shifley gets moved to a team like the Anaheim Ducks let's go down that road right the Anaheim Ducks great young talented team they finished last in the league last year, all that talent isn't getting them anywhere because I think, like I've been talking about, they tore it right down to the studs and now you've got a whole bunch of really great players who don't know quite how to get it done at the NHL level. Well, Mm -hmm. if you are thinking... We're just a step away of turning those guys and having them turn the corner and become a competitive team. Well, if we add Mark Shifley and maybe he fast forwards the process and we've got room to fit a player like that, and maybe just maybe if we can sell him on the future of this team and Anaheim, a great market for him to play, and maybe Mark Shifley will stay and sign long term. Well, if you can Plus add a don't Brandon forget Dylan. about the second
2: overall pick, Sean
5: no no doubt right. but it, yeah
2: but if, you, Sorry, if I, you I interrupted you but that could be Adam Fantilli so I'm just trying to add to your they they could they could turn this around quickly
5: Yeah, exactly. If you're adding now Adam Fantilli is walking into your dress room and so is Mark Scheifele. And then you add in a guy like Brendan Dillon where they've got some good assets on the back end, but they're clearly, that's a team that gets taken advantage of on the back end. Well, it's one of six guys now that you've got a big, strong guy who knows how to throw his weight on, who knows how to make it miserable on opposition teams, who stands up at all the right times for his players around him, which that team probably needs being so young. That ends up being an add-in to that trade that is extremely valuable for a team like Anaheim. So if you're going to make a trade like that, then Brendan Dillon goes out the door. It's not necessarily you're moving Brendan Dillon, but you're moving Brendan Dillon with. And now all of a sudden your return becomes so much more. So I think, Dave, the idea that the Jets have so many assets who could potentially step up there allows... Kevin off to play the game. Well, we're going to move one of these big core players. Sorry, one of these big players, but we'll also add this, and then all of a sudden, if you're a team and you're humming and ha- hawing about, well, should we bring in Mark Scheifele? If you get that asset thrown in there as well, it's a lot easier to jump. You know, into the unknown in that situation because you know what you're going to get back with a Brendan Dillon. You know the effect that he's going to have on your dressing room and you know the effect he's going to have on your decor, which needs to be addressed just as much as your forward uh, uh, depth does as well. Again, lots of talent all over that roster. They just need people to show them the way and that would be a massive play that would open up a hole on the Jets defense and then allow for them to move in players who have a future rather than in a present.
1: Sean Reynolds, our guest on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Rennie, you know, let's say we, we remember how the season ended, the contentious nature in which it ended where it was almost unprecedented in recent memory to have a head coach say what Rick Bonus said and then have an entire team full of players say what they said. Fast forward to September in the start of training camp. Can Blake Wheeler and Rick Bonus? be in the same dressing room?
5: Well, I think that we've established enough from what's going on in the organization that uh, that I don't think that Rick bonus has the carte blanche to say, this isn't working. You got to get this guy out of here. I don't think we're seeing that response. And I think the fact that you saw Kevin shovel day off respond to his players and I call it a mutiny. Cause that's what I saw. That's mm-hmm. what I think it was. Uh, I don't know how a player, uh, how those players were as comfortable talking about their coach, the way that they did like, I think it speaks to a lack of professionalism that they didn't just swallow the medicine that they were given and move on from it, that they banded together and called out their coach in that manner just seemed tone deaf to me. It really feels to me like it's the Winnipeg Jets locker room against the rest of the world and they don't care who they're pissing off. Maybe some people see value in that. I sure as heck don't. Um, But the the way that the the organization responded to it, the way that the PR team kind of afterwards tried to send out these videos that that went against what their coach was saying. I sure see a coach that seems to be isolated from the rest of the organization. Um, So so. I don't think there's a situation here where Rick bonus can say like, this isn't working. I need you to move on from this player. It sure seems to me like organization is going to, the organization and management is going to take its time and do whatever it thinks to get the best asset back and not, act for what's best and happening in the dressing room. And I think, guys, that's something that's been happening for a long time in this dressing room, that that hasn't been taken into consideration. There hasn't been a, we need to move on from this player now because it's affecting what's happening in that dressing room. That seems to be something that the Jets, for whatever reason, don't take into consideration, which brings us to a place where we have what happened last year and we have how the Jets went out this year. Regardless of what's happening there, I think... I think you cannot have that exist in the dressing room. But what I also think is we've seen an organization that shows no sense of urgency when it comes to something like that. So for a, for the Jets to run as a healthy organization, you're darn right. I think that needs to, the deck needs to be cleared from there so that Rick Bonus can operate without being underneath that. Uh, but do I have confidence that the uh, 100% confidence the organization will deal with that? I don't. And that's, a, that's, I think w- when it comes down to it, gentlemen, I think that that's that what we're talking about is the biggest issue that this organization is facing and has faced for a long time is it won't stare itself in the mirror and look at what keeps happening in that dressing room and address it. Um, it should be, would I have a hundred percent confidence that this would be dealt with if this was the Pittsburgh Penguins or the Nashville Predators or the Colorado Avalanche? I would. Those organizations would take a look and say, this is a problem. It needs to be dealt with. The Jets have never shown a history of dealing with this problem. You go back to the Evander Kane situation. It took it blowing up in public for them to finally move a player that had been asking to be moved for four years or so to the detriment of the dressing room at that time, where the players came out afterwards and talked about this was tough having to deal with this in the dressing room at that time. Management wouldn't move on from a player that was causing damage to the dressing room. We've seen that happen year after. After year, after year, that is to me, it's been shown time and time again, Kevin shoveled off and whether or not it's him specifically or whether or not it's a mixture of him and the people above him and what they allow him to move and trade. But that has been their Achilles heel is they do not address the poisonous factors that seem to keep popping up in the dressing room. They allow it to fester and they do not move it unless they absolutely have to.
1: So let's play this out a little bit then. Let's say we come around to mid-August, and it's not unprecedented. We've seen some coaches previously, you know, resign or or get dismissed at at unusual times. If it's mid-August and there's no change to the dressing room and the Jets appear to be, you know, more or less running things back with the same leadership if you're rick bonus why do you need that headache why do you want to bother at that point in time how do you have any credibility to yourself going back in that room after everything that's happened if the if you've basically been told by management that your opinion uh, doesn't especially matter on this topic
5: well, I think he's kind of between a rock and a hard place. So I think what where uh, Rick Bonus is at this stage is... It, it, Rick Bonus wasn't supposed to be a, a head coach in the NHL again, right? right? It happens in Dallas. Extrenuating circumstances mean that coach moves and they're in a position where they have to bring a guy in to, to, to captain the ship until they want the right guy to come in. And then the guy who comes in and captains it captains them right to the Stanley Cup final. You can't move on from that guy, right? But just a couple of years later, they do move move on from him once he got that taste of the head coach job again I think Rick Bonus liked it one to stay on it I think Rick Bonus was thinking at that stage because he talked about us last year he was offered plenty of opportunities before the Winnipeg Jets head coaching position to be an assistant coach. I think Rick Bonus has landed on the idea that at the age he's at and where he is in his career mm-hmm. he wants to walk out. Of his NHL career, and when he steps off that bench, he wants to step off of that bench as a head coach. And I don't necessarily think that Rick Bonus thought at the end of the year the way that his team, you know, stood up and mutinied against him, and the way that his organization didn't cover him. The way that—that's what I saw. Everyone has their own opinion. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but that's what I saw. I don't think the Jets organization—I don't think. I don't think the Jets organization beyond the players had his back the way they should have had a head coach's back. That's a position of weakness. If he would have stepped out of that, Drew, he would have either been stepping out and saying, who wants to hire this coach and have a whole bunch of teams look and be like, boy, what you just walked out of. I'm not sure if we want to touch that. Or he would have had to walk out of it and be like, this is it. I'm retiring. And that's the note that he went out on with his team railing against him like that. So, I think Rick Bonus is in, in between a rock and a hard place because I think he wants to stay a head coach. I don't think he thinks the opportunities around the league are there for him to jump ship and go elsewhere, mm-hmm. and I don't think he wants to leave his career on that note. So I think what you're seeing is a guy who's betting on himself and saying, as terrible a situation as you can put me in, and make no doubt about it, Drew, if they ran everything back and put all those same players back into the dressing room, it would be an atrocious situation for Rick bonus to walk back into. I don't know how he reclaims that room after those players with a smile on their face, go after their head coach and head off into the off season. I don't know how you reclaim that room, but I think Rick bonus is going to go out and say, I'm going to give it everything I have. This is my only path to being a head coach. If I can reclaim that room and do something with it and then head off into the sunset after that, or coach a couple more years, I'd rather go out like that than going out like this that's why I think he's in the situation. So all of us I I think are thinking like I I I thought after the players did that he was going to walk out and say this is me tendering my resignation as a head coach of the Winnipeg Jets no one needs this headache I think there's too much pride at stake and too long of a career to leave in that position and he's again stuck between a rock and a hard place and this is the best place for him to be in as bad a place as it is
1: If he can reclaim that dressing room, they should have him working on the Middle East peace process as opposed to anything (laughs) hockey-related.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Sean, just getting away from from the Jets here because obviously we have game one of the Stanley Cup final. It's been 27 days between the conference (laughs) final and and the Stanley Cup final, but obviously got to give a plug to Sportsnet, CBC, 7 o'clock central, game one, very excited. I don't know about you, but I have absolutely no idea what to expect in Game 1. I think you have a lot of people, especially here in Manitoba, that are pulling for Paul Maurice and the Florida Panthers, but obviously, you know, if you're a member of the the Stone or, or White Cloud or or Howden family, um, Colazar. You to, Colazar, yeah, got to get Colizar in there. Don't forget about the the McCrimmon family, or I guess the Lawlesses as well. But uh, yeah. I mean, so there's going to be <laughs> yeah. some, some people cheering for the Golden Knights. Oh, much
1: lower level, the lawlesses. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I think there's a watch party uh, happening in the Interlake uh, tonight. But, uh, I mean, w- what are you expecting? Because uh, I-, I think with the break, the-, the Panthers, I think I saw that it's the second longest layoff between the conference finals and, and the Stanley Cup finals at at 10 days, right? Like, what are you yeah. expecting? Because obviously, I mean, I think we're, we're hoping for a great series, and, and the only thing that's guaranteed is we're going to have a team win the Stanley Cup for the first time, right?
5: Yeah, I'm going to couch this by saying take everything I say with a grain of salt because I have no idea what I'm talking about right now last year it's funny Ken and I were having this conversation last year I picked the Florida Panthers to go to the cup final Um, and last year Ken picked the Vegas Golden Knights to go to the cup final and we both had like a little bit of, I guess Florida made it to the second round last At year but your team we made the
1: playoffs <laughs>
5: yeah exactly so we both had a little bit of egg on our face but we both saw something that existed in those organizations that put them in this spot I will say this This is something I want to get off my chest. I I think Paul Maurice is just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant when it comes to dealing with the media and like sending out certain perspectives. And the funny part about what Paul Paul Maurice has has going on here is Paul Maurice has somehow convinced the hockey world that he's this this. This And I'm not saying he's not brilliant, but he's this brilliant coach that's taken this plucky team of nobodies and somehow got them to the Stanley Cup final. This guy inherited the president's trophy-winning Florida Panthers team. And people will always come at me and say, oh, their, their roster was gutted last year. It was not gutted. They lost Huberdo. They got a player who's on the upswing and a better player. Losing Uyghur is tough losing Marchment was a tough loss for that team but at the same time Marchment was a nobody before he went to the Florida Panthers and then moved on and has been okay with Dallas but he clearly he needed the Florida Panthers more than the Florida Panthers needed him so I I just think it's hilarious how we look at this and think how is Paul Maurice doing it with this eighth seed and blah blah really if they would have missed the playoffs we would be talking about you know if Pittsburgh doesn't fall apart in their last two games of the season we would be talking about are they firing Paul Maurice because he took a he took a Ferrari and drove it into a lamp post this last year, right so the Florida Panthers have always been an extremely capable team adding in a goaltender the, doing what he 's doing right now that makes it a, a really tough team to beat, so I just wanted to get that off my chest because this idea that Paul Maurice is this genius who fa- found this this team of nobodies and turned them into a somebody is absolutely ridiculous but Credit where it's due. Paul Maurice has done the one thing that that organization has missed over the years. They've quite often come out and had a really good team. It was two years ago in the first round of the playoffs. We, we, the, the first year – yeah, I believe it was the first year that uh, – or maybe it was the second year that the Lightning won the Cup. But that first-round series between the Lightning and the Florida Panthers was some of the best playoff hockey we've seen played in the last decade, right? They were a good team. They just couldn't get over that hump. What Paul Maurice has done, and I give him 100% credit for this, the teardown that he had of that team and the rebuilding of them to try and play a style of game that worked in the playoffs – is working he's taken them to a place that Joel Quenville I think he would have done it last year guys but but you know he didn't have the opportunity to two years ago Joel Quenville couldn't get that team over the hump last year um, Andrew Brunette couldn't get that team over the hump give Paul Maurice all the credit in the world he went out and did the one thing that our organization wasn't able to do and has got them to that spot that is a long way of coming around to say, I don't necessarily know what to expect. I think, I think that the Vegas golden Knights are just too deep of a team. I think that they've shown that they know how to score from the perimeter. They know how to score from the inside. They haven't been kept from the inside, uh, the way that other teams have, have done to, to, to certain teams. Um, it it was apparently their Achilles heel, but after a lot of conversations I had with Bruce Cassidy about how that team gets to the inside, he kind of changed my mind on the idea of can you keep you know the Jack Eichels and the Marchessos and those players, not the biggest players in the world, but they seem to get in and score in tight inside. We've seen Jonathan Marchessau come alive the last little while and he's getting all his goals right in front of the net. They cerebrally are able to find ways to get to that front of the net in a in a way that other teams I don't think have been able to against the Florida Panthers. So to me, the big question in this series is can the Florida Panthers keep the Vegas Golden Knights from the front of the net? I think the answer is no, because I think that the Vegas Golden Knights have shown that they can get inside on anyone And they're ridiculously deep. Like we talked about Keegan Coles are these huge goals that their fourth line is getting for them. There is just no break on the ice. When you're playing that team, their defense is big, strong, a bunch of trees that keep you from getting. So they may just do to the Florida Panthers, what the Florida Panthers have been doing to everybody else. And, their one Achilles heel that we think is goaltending really hasn't borne out that way, guys. I mean, we were talking about how the, or there was a lot of people I wasn't, but there was a lot of people talking about how the jets were going to blow their way past them because they had Connor Hellebuck, And who did these other, who did the Vegas golden Knights have? Well, they've shown that with whatever goaltender they put in, they can succeed. So, this series, I look at it. I look at it on paper. I look at the styles of play. I don't think anyone can stop the Vegas Golden Knights this year. That said, I had the other team beating the Florida Panthers in every single series so far this year. I've been wrong three times. Maybe they'll make me wrong four times.
0: Well, Sean, in your in your last answer, you referenced the Ferrari. So now I'm going to ask you about a Lambo. Because okay. uh, Brad, Brad Lambert, of course, and his Seattle Thunderbirds yes. are uh, victorious last night against... Uh, I get Peterborough Pete's, And so as a result, they're moving on to play Quebec in the Memorial cup on Sunday. You know, everything we're reading. And again, I'm not asking you to give me a a breakdown of Brad Lambert's game, because of course we're not watching the WHL as much as we watch the NHL. But again, just how good is this pick going to look maybe years from now, given the fact that they did the right thing with his development. It's always easy for an organization to try and push a player into a, we're in a win now mode. We're just going to try and force this, you know, round peg into a square hole. But the Jets saw that the best path for him was to go back to junior. And like I said, every guy who covers junior that I read their stuff. And there's a great article that we're going to link from Scott Wheeler of the athletic today on Lambert shows that the move has moved, you know, has been a beneficial one. It's unexpected. And again, we live in an instant gratification society, but how good do you think this is going to mean? How much do you think this will mean for the Jets organization down the road, given what we see in the early returns? Well, I, I, I
5: want to talk about this a little bit because, you know, a lot of people will tune in and if they're Jets fans tuning in, they'll think that I'm just, you know, beating away at the Jets with a hammer the this entire show. And to, to a degree I have because a lot of the stuff that is on – Front and, so, <laughs> Yeah, that, that is a lot of the stuff that's up front and center is stuff that they've struggled with. But one of the things that the Jets I find rarely struggle with is choosing the right path for their players when it comes to de- development. Listen, you, you can be a draft and develop organization. A lot of times organizations draft well and then they develop terribly. And one thing that I think that the Jets rarely, rarely miss on is they draft and then they develop Properly, uh, And it's one of the reasons why when you see a guy like Billy Hanela not making the jump the way that he did, that I I don't sit there and think, oh man, the Jets are like, all these people who are sitting there and saying, oh, the Jets are idiots, Billy, Billy Hanela should be running their power play right now, like... Where do those people get off thinking that they understand hockey development so deeply that they can take a look and see all the times that Ville Heinola has come up to the NHL and not grabbed the brass ring and just ran with it? No, they should be sitting and giving them 15 games to fail before he can finally get his feet underneath them. Like, those people don't know what they're talking about hockey development-wise. I sure as hell wouldn't know that because I'm not in hockey development. You guys wouldn't. I don't know that anyone in the media would. The one thing I've seen... Too often is is a guy like Patrick Laine in his time with the Winnipeg Jets becoming everything that you could hope that Patrick Laine would become, right? Kyle Connor coming in and shooting the lights out and being everything that you could hope he could be. Connor Hellebuck going from, you know, a guy who maybe this guy could play in the NHL to being as dominant as he's been. The Jets usually have a really good finger on the pulse when it comes to that. So I'll say this. There's a reason Brad Lambert fell, From every conversation I've had with the the people in Finnish hockey that I've talked to, the big challenge for Brad Lambert is going to be the 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 thought process, how he thinks his way through his game, how he responds to challenges. He's struggled with that in the past. The Winnipeg Jets have done everything right that they can do from a development pro- pr- perspective to put Brad Lambert in a place where he's rediscovered his confidence, starts making the right decisions in his career, and then becomes what... We think that he could be like, remember guys, he was in the world juniors a couple of years ago as a young, young man. And he looked like he was going to be a top three pick in that draft last year for him to fall says a lot. It says that everyone knows this guy has talent. They don't know that he can make it mind wise, right? I think the jets have done everything that they can to put him in a position where if he can get his head straight, he could become a really, really good NHLer. The trick for me is going to be like he's going to be a, the proof is in the pudding kind of guy. Do I think that he can skate at the NHL level? You're darn right. Do I think that he has the skill level to play at the NHL level and be a really good player at the NHL level? level you're darn right but for me it's going to be can this guy make it work mentally the Jets have done their part the next steps going forward in his career is going to be if Brad Lambert is mentally strong enough to jump into he'll probably spend some time in the AHL whether he can get there and establish his game to the point that he becomes dominant like players like Kyle Connor were or even a Sammy Niku or a Jack Rozovic and then make that jump to the next level and you Mm -hmm. saw Of the three players I mentioned, two of them never really quite got their feet underneath them at the NHL level uh, to, to make them stars compared to what we saw from them at the AHL. Brad Lambert, in my mind, still has those two jumps to make. Because of what we know about him, mind wise, he could get lost at either of those two steps. But the Jets are doing everything they can to take a pick that they took a home run swing on and see if they can turn it into a home run. No one's going to be able to do that other than Brad Lambert. But they've put the bat in his hand and they've given him everything he needs to take that swing. But football. and Sean,
0: and just quickly, just one benefit that we're seeing that we may not have seen if he stayed pro is that when he stayed pro, he was a center, I mean, a winger, right? They moved him to center in Seattle. And, you know, I had Craig Heisinger and Mark, head coach Mark Morrison of the Moose uh, on my, uh, we did a Moose end of season. A week and a half ago, and both well, my them, show on your show. I Dave. didn't say my what, show Ezzy. our show. I didn't your say show. my show. I said oh, yeah. I, we
5: had it on uh, the. And show. it begins, and it begins. Egos <laughs> finally tearing the illegal curve hockey show <laughs> apart. I, I, I wish it wasn't me on this episode, guys. I just way curious
2: out. when the Dave Manuk experiences is <laughs> Dave,
5: Dave is Rick Bonus, and Ezzy is
1: Blake Wheeler.
2: Yes. Clearly, <laughs> the
0: point I was going to make before as jumped in was just that. Both those guys said they hadn't necessarily thought of Lambert as a center. And now you're seeing him as a center. So I think, again, one of these positive things we're seeing that we wouldn't necessarily have seen had he stayed as a pro is that, hey, now the pro organization is seeing him as a center potentially and not necessarily as a winger. Yeah. Yeah, I I I I think that uh I
5: mean there there's another part about that is you open up that potential door but to me that door opening up at that level now and trying to walk through that door back into the pros is a tricky one right because there's Brad Lambert uh, I'm trying to think of examples of centers at the NHL level who are like him, who are just like so fast that everyone else on the ice needs to keep up to them. Those guys usually lead the play from what I've seen from from Brad Lambert is that he likes to lead the play down the ice. And it can be very tough to do that, to be a properly functioning defensive center who is taking care of all his business and the defensive end, and then somehow ends up being the guy leading the puck down to the other end of the ice. That to me, there's a, there's a, wide chasm between what we're seeing right now in Seattle uh, and what we're seeing at the Memorial Cup and successfully doing that at the NHL level. But I mean, I love the idea of, you know, found money, right? It usually goes in the other direction. We see so many of these players who come up as centermen and then just can't quite cut it as a centerman at the NHL level. But I, I love the idea of, listen, if you would have said to someone at the beginning of the year, we took Brad Lambert. There's a lot of warts. There's a lot of bumps that have happened here. And And you're talking at the end of the year of him potentially winning a Memorial Cup and being found money on the side of he can actually play this as well. That's a lot better of a scouting report than boy, oh boy, we brought him over. It was a disaster. And everything that people every reason people didn't draft this guy uh, showed reared its ugly head. You know, it's it's a lot better to be in this position than that.
1: Sean Reynolds Rennie himself. You know him from Kenny and Rennie. You know him from Sportsnet as well. Sean, get on the road, get out to the lake. Thanks so much for joining us. Good drifters,
5: Sean see you there guys appreciate yeah, it actually, love I don't spending think, yeah. time with you thanks for having I me on like uh, it's man. been too long i don't yeah. know what's going on I, l- listen now i know all i gotta do is take shots at drew and then i'll get me on the show later that week so prepare for it drew it's happening i'm gonna be a guest every week if that's what it takes <laughs> bring it on my friend i got
1: a thick skin <laughs> and we'd be pleased to have you up the handsome quotient on this broadcast <laughs> thanks, love buddy. you guys thanks take for care. having me thanks, Reynolds joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We go to break. Luke Fox from Sportsnet comes up next. Much more Jets talk to come as well. Saturday morning, we're live with the Illegal Curve Hockey Show.
3: Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, Jon Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com.
1: Hi, Ez. A strange question for you. But why are you lying on the ground being crushed by a piano? Well, Drew, I definitely tried
2: to carry this baby grand piano down the stairs by myself, and somehow I failed miserably.
1: Right, right. I'm sorry. That was a silly question on my part. My apologies. Would you like me to call Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage to help you move the piano? They are the most experienced piano moving company in Winnipeg, after all.
2: Yes, please call Rollie's and hurry. This piano is very, very heavy.
0: Rollie's Transfer Moving and Storage offers stress-free residential moving services while taking great care of your personal belongings, including your piano. At Rollie's, no job is too big or too small. For more information, visit rollies.com.
2: Hey, Drew. Ezzy! whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center, and they whitened my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I
1: smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I
5: sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that
3: active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. Boston Pizza harnessed Fanalytics to help optimize no-look dipping. Ooh! Making adjustments? So you can stay focused on the game! The playoffs at Boston Pizza, powered by
1: Fanalytics. Ten fifteen. welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg with you. Great to have Sean Reynolds join us just on the previous segments for some great Jets talk. In case you missed any of that, it'll be available, of course, on the podcast and on the immediate replay here on our YouTube channel. We're live every Saturday morning, as always, with the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. The Stanley Cup Final gets underway tonight after a lengthy break to discuss that. And everything going on around the NHL, we're pleased to welcome to the program from Sportsnet, Luke Fox joins us on the show. Luke, good morning. How are things from your perspective?
4: Ah, things are great. Um, every time you wake up in Las Vegas, you, you can't really complain. It's uh, <laughs> good you have, my, you have my boy Sean Reynolds on. That's uh, He does great work. Uh, so he's going to be a tough act to follow here, I think.
1: We have faith in your ability. It's a sports net heavy day here on the illegal curve hockey show, but that's perfectly fine with us. As you mentioned, you're in Las Vegas, obviously. Not by I apologize by
2: the way, Luke. When I when I texted Luke, I said, Can you come on at eleven fifteen AM Eastern? Uh, not realizing that Luke was in Vegas, so it's a little bit earlier, obviously, in 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 Vegas, Luke. But my apologies. We're just glad that you're you're able to wake up a, a little bit earlier and uh, hop on with us. What are you yeah, talking about? I, I ran it in last
4: night, and nothing crazy. So I I, I think, just yeah. thought
1: you pulled the all nighter. I just thought you just went all the <laughs> way through. You know, you figured you you get there, you do media day yesterday, you just uh, power through all night, and this is just the uh, the the end of the evening, not the beginning of the day. What are you, Luke? Come on, man. Uh,
4: a younger, spryer Luke would have done that, but no. <laughs> uh,
1: we've all been there, exactly. Yeah. Now we need. Now we need eight hours and a nice cup of chamomile tea yes. before bed. Uh, so obviously, you're there at the cup final. It gets underway after what has been a tremendously long break. I mean, kills any momentum uh, from my perspective. I hate these five, six-day long breaks between the end of the conference finals and the start of the series. From your perspective, do you think that break is going to have an impact, especially when you consider a goalie who was as locked in as Sergei Bobrovsky was? I, From my perspective, if you're the Florida Panthers and he was rolling in the witch the way he he was. I would just want to keep that going. I wouldn't want that break. I know they're going to downplay that, but do you think that that actually might be to their detriment starting the series?
4: Yeah, I think it could be a challenge, especially early in game one. Um, I think there will be a little bit of rust for the Florida Panthers. We're talking about ten days off. Mm-hmm. Like that—that that, that be like uh, that's longer than usually, like your bye week or something. Like these guys, that, and for them especially, they were in such a rhythm. They've been saying that they've basically been playing playoff hockey for the last month and a half of the regular season because they were just scratching and clawing to get even into the thing. And then they get in there and it's, you know, basically every other day, there's a rhythm hockey players are creatures of habit and routine. Um, You know, whether it's goalies or scores, you get on certain streaks and you start to feel good. So to have that interrupted for such a long time, I think it could play a factor now. They're downplaying it. Paul Maurice was saying, you know, if you give me time to rest and recover, especially this time of year, everyone's dealing with the bumps and the bruises and the nagging this and the nagging that. He said he'd take it 100% of the time, all the time. Uh, So, But I think in the early going, like maybe the the first period and a half, I, I would be surprised if there wasn't a little bit of rust, especially on Florida's side.
2: Luke, what's the most important, sorry about that, I had to get, get off mute there, in your opinion, what's the most important matchup? Because I look at, I mean, you could say that maybe Vegas has uh, an edge when it comes to the forward depth or even D-depth. I don't think anybody's going to say that Vegas has the depth in goal, even though I think Aiden Hill's two shutouts in the in the conference finals would have something to say about that, right? Uh, but what's the most important matchup uh, for you in this
4: series? I think it will be how Vegas shuts down the, the Kachuk-Bennett line. I think that's easily florida's most dangerous line now you got in my mind one of the best defensive wingers in the whole game in mark stone so you would think that that line um you know gets gets the uh, kachuk assignment uh so i think if you can shut them down you know carter verhage can can score but they don't have the depth that vegas does so i think if vegas can you know neutralize florida's top line (laughs) <laughs> right, that's my that's my alarm to come talk to you guys because I think I had it wrong, but uh, I've got the same one, Luke. <laughs> uh, if they if they can neutralize that line, then I, I think their depth can can win the day. Um, so yeah, we, we'll see. I mean, I, I do think the key for Florida is that Bobrovsky has to continuing continue to play over his head. Like what he's doing right now is phenomenal, and he can't just be average in this series and hope that that Florida wins.
0: Luke, how, how significant has Jack Eichel's first postseason been? I mean, eight, eight or nine se- I think it's his eighth season in the NHL now. And his first first chance to be in the playoff hockey. And he, the number two overall pick certainly looks like uh, he's been no stranger to the postseason.
4: Yeah, he's absolutely loving it, right? Um, he's tops on in the team in scoring. And uh, he was talking about it yesterday at Media Day. He's like, it, it was worth going through all that pain. Like all those Buffalo teams – uh you know they, they just weren't weren't strong enough they were he, they just caught Eichel well that's the reason they got Eichel right is because they had bottomed out so so low and and it took them forever they're burning through coaches uh the culture around that team wasn't the greatest it, it was almost like losing became part of their DNA and he said all that pain in, in Buffalo was worth it for this shot and He, like many of us, probably assumed that he would have made the playoffs last year. Like Vegas not making the playoffs in 22 was one of the bigger surprises in the NHL because ever since they've been in the league, they're just, oh, they're a cup contender every year. But they were so ravaged by injuries. Eichel, you know, he would never say it, but you wonder if he would think, am I cursed or something? I finally go to a good team and we still can't make the playoffs. So he is is absolutely soaking it in. Um, It it was kind of funny, like. He, he looks across the other side now, and one of his best buddies, uh, a guy he used to live with in Sam Reinhart, is finally all the way to the final. Um, and he had been through those those dog days in Buffalo right alongside Jack, and, and they're two of the closer guys in in the league, and they were texting each other after their respective conference final wins and congratulating each other, he said. But then now it's, it's cone of silence, and we're not friends on the ice. So uh, good to see some... Remnants of those bad Sabres teams breaking through, much like Ryan O'Reilly eventually broke through, and, and he was down in the doldrums uh, during his Sabres days, too.
1: I don't think there's going to be a lot of viewership coming out of Northwestern and New York based on all the former Sabres who are now finding better success while the Sabres themselves are still uh, struggling and trying to become a playoff team yet again. Luke, shifting away from the cup final, because here in Winnipeg, it's sort of a a passing afterthought given that everything, you know, for all the other 30 teams, they're mostly focused on the offseason and the upcoming silly season and the draft and free agency and all the trades that are coming with that. Uh, Yeah. you, know, you you wrote an article for sportsnet.ca about 10 days ago you know talking about the the UFA market for this upcoming July and it's thin which you yeah. certainly uh, said you know point blank in your article just that there's not a ton of difference makers that are available in free agency this year where then you compare it to a team here in Winnipeg where you know I'm sure that there's so many names and headline names, not you know middling players, but headline players who are potentially on the trade block. Do you think that the trade the trade avenue might be more active this off season because of how thin the uh, the free agency market is?
4: 100%. Yeah, I, I think you, you got that accurate. Yeah, I, I was going I do this every year. I look mm-hmm. through the UFAs. And, like, the top centerman is is Ryan O'Reilly, who's getting slow of foot. You know, still a a great two-way player. But, you know, he's he's getting past his prime, and he's not going to alter your franchise. He's more of a a 2 or 3C, depending on the depth of your team at this time. Uh, And then you turn your attention to some of the RFAs or trade bait, and you look at a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois, and, you know, I know everyone has – Montreal kind of circled as is most likely destination but if you're in the market for a centerman why are you not trying your best to see it if you can't convince Winnipeg and Dubois to to trade and then sign long term I know because I know he doesn't have too long before he's a, a complete UFA and has the freedom to choose but a guy like that um, you look at the goalie market and uh, Tristan Jari might be the the top UFA or if Aiden Hill keeps Uh, on his magical run for Vegas. Maybe his name gets in the conversation. But you compare their body of work to a Connor Hellebuck. Now you're like, okay, well, if I really want a number one I feel comfortable with, why wouldn't I call up Chevy and and try to swing a deal there? Uh, He's going to be a bargain this this final year in in his contract. And then, of course, you're going to have to pay him. But those are the kind of conversations you could have. And if you are making a deal like that, it would be in the Jets' best interest to trade um, Hellebuck to a team where he feels comfortable signing long term, because then you should be able to get more in a return. Uh, you know, Shifley is another centerman that I, I think should have interest. Um, it might be a hard, harder deal to make, but uh, I, I think he should be on a lot of teams' radar too. So I would I would be surprised if Winnipeg isn't one of the bigger names involved in uh, in the trademark. And I think the draft that's coming up in less than a month here in Nashville, that draft floor, uh, you know, after that number one pick, that number two pick, the, the headlines are going to be stolen by the trades that are made, uh, on that draft floor.
2: I think you're right, Luke. And, and I think we're all hoping that all of the trades happened while we're doing our day one draft show. If they could just, <laughs> Jets could just make all those moves conveniently for us. It did happen back in the day when TSN 1290 still existed. Uh, Dubois was traded for uh Line A and, uh, Roslovic while we were live on air that was a couple years back oh, that's but, awesome
3: that's yeah awesome. Awesome. that was pretty awesome right after we life. had
2: sarah orleski on i realized that's the the other network but uh yeah it was still pretty awesome there's
4: oh, great i don't i don't mind
2: yeah no sarah's <laughs> sarah's the best you know just getting back to vegas because you know you're of course in your penthouse suite right now uh, on the strip <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming it's the win or it's the bellagio i'm not sure which which hotel it is luke but uh No, I mean, the guy I wanted to ask you about was William Carlson, right? Because, I mean, Jets fans know what William Carlson can do going back to the inaugural Golden Knights season. And as you know, I mean, he stepped up big time in game six against the Stars, two goals, three points. He's up to 10 goals. And we've talked about Bobrovsky, Matthew Kachuk, Jack Eichel. I mean, those are the guys I think that are going to get all the Conn Smythe attention. But to me, like Carlson is right up there with Eichel and Marcia So. Uh, and, and as you mentioned earlier, Mark Stone, in terms of the impact that he's had. So what are you expecting out of Carlson? Because to me, I mean, he's a guy that just, I, I mean, he what better guy to illustrate the depth of this team? He's, he's on the third line, whereas, you know, five years ago, that was the top line with uh, Riley
4: Smith and Marcia. So. Yeah, you're right. It, it illustrates the depth of the team. It kind of illustrates the story of the team, right? Um, that, you know, last time they were in the dance, uh, I was right back here, 2018, and they lost the cup. Uh, to the Washington Capitals, and Carlson was top line center. Now they they bring in Eichel, uh, Chandler Stevenson, who was on that Washington team has has stepped up his game. Uh, that was another trade that that people were talking about from the the Vegas side that has impacted the the team. And Carlson, like he's he's one of those guys where it's kind of cliche, but you say in the playoff series often the top two lines saw each other off because that's where the talent stacked. But if you can get the depth. Uh, that's where you can win a series and push through. So he's really shone through. Um, I'd like to give some credit to guys like Riley Smith and Jonathan Marcheseau who's having a heck of a playoffs as well. And what was interesting to me yesterday at Media Day is how much reverence uh, the newer Golden Knights, be it Eichel, be it Mark Stone, be it Alex Petrangelo, who are kind of brought in to complement those original Misfits guys, how much reverence they have for... For the the core knights, if if you will, the guys that have been there from day one, from the expansion draft or the, or those early trades, and they're kind of inspired to get it done for them. He's like they were saying, like these guys are the heart of this team. We want it for them. And you look down the list of, of the knights, and there's a lot of guys that already have rings. um And I think once you have one, yes, you want a second one for yourself, but you want to see the guys that you go to battle with every single night. You want it, them them to exper- experience what what you did, and shut that off. At properly. least you had
1: multiple. Re- you had multiple alarms set. Oh I gosh. appreciate that dedication.
4: i it's crazy, have... like, like me.
2: No, look, I have like alarms, like multiples of like four minutes or five yeah. minutes. Like I just have like a hundred of those.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Esy, you have two kids. They're the best alarm that could ever exist.
4: <laughs> yeah, but I didn't bring them with me.
0: <laughs> you know, Luke. Uh, I think it's it's, it's it seems appropriate. We always talk about great rivalries in sport. You know, you have uh, Boston and Montreal. New Jersey and New York, New York and New York is Pittsburgh and Toronto going to become one of these yeah. new rivalries with the, uh, the Trey living in Dubas and, and, or Dubas, however they called them in, in, when they introduced them in I think, Dubas. Dubas, I think it was <laughs> in, in Pittsburgh. So, yeah. I mean, you can, you can really take either of those tacks or you can talk about the potential rivalry, but really which, which got caught your attention or was it both of them because they were both so significant?
4: Yeah, this, this is great theatre, and it happened right before I, I got on a plane to come here. So I, I got into the, the Trey Living press conference. But I, I often, I kind of wondered if Pittsburgh made its announcement and announced how quickly the conference was going to come up just so that Toronto reporters wouldn't hop in their car and drive down there and, and fire some Maple Leafs-related questions. Because the way that, <laughs> that all fell apart between Shanahan and Dubas was uh, high theatre. And I, I feel comfortable saying, like, this is kind of personal, especially with Kyle Dubis. Like, I think he, he really thought that he could push uh, his president to get a little bit more power, to get a little bit more money, and remain as Leafs GM. But the fact that he waffled publicly and said, oh, I don't know if I even want to be GM. It's, it's taken such a toll on my family, and you won't see me popping up anywhere else. All of a sudden, Shanahan really did have second thoughts, and you know, made a a pretty definitive decision. Drove right into his office, fired the guy. And Dubis is a competitive guy. I think anyone who saw those clips of him getting into it with the fans in in Tampa, where the the suite is overhangs right where uh, the the fans in the cheap seats are, you know, relatively cheap. I thought but, it was going to be a
2: tie Domi situation yeah. back in the day, twenty five <laughs> years ago, yeah, when the uh, fan it was, came in
4: it was wild uh but that's that's him right like he's a heart on his sleeve competitive guy and so i think he's on a mission and the fact you know they're not in the same division but they're in the same conference like there's a chance pittsburgh slips into a wild card place like a a, a toronto pittsburgh series next year uh would be great for the storylines um this is a rivalry now absolutely
1: Luke, last question for you. Along those lines, Brad Treliving gets hired as the new Leafs general manager. Mm. Not afraid to make big decisions, not afraid to make big moves when, in, at least in his time, in Calgary. How do you see that impacting the big four in Toronto moving forward? Do you see, you know, potentially one of them no longer being there? or do you think that, you know they just take the second round defeat as the aberration and decide to really more or less run it back?
4: Yeah, it's one of the major questions. I'd say that and and what he's gonna do with the coach Sheldon Keith that he inherited. I think those are the, the two main questions people have is how is this guy gonna put his his stamp on the core of this team? Does he just run it back? Uh where there's there's getting to be some run it back fatigue, I think, in the marketplace. Uh, because yeah, they made it to the second round, but they only won one game in that round and were never really in the series. Uh, you know, almost got swept. So uh, he, when he came in, he said, look, this team has a ton of talent, talent in its prime. It's really hard to get high end elite players in the, in this league. Like that's why you bought them out and draft them so high. Uh, so I, I think he's going to be very careful, but at the same time, he doesn't have any ties to these guys. He doesn't even know them that well. So his, his first mission was he was getting on a plane, flying to Arizona, sitting down with Austin Matthews. And that's really the big first step is he has to know austin matthew's number is austin gonna try and push for 20 percent of the cap and make it so it's almost impossible for Trey living to build a, a contending team because he's so hamstrung by how much of the cap austin's soaking up uh or or is austin you know willing to take a little bit less and and work with them uh and then you know there's a decision to be made on nylander who's also entering a contract here uh, he's dropped a couple of hints, saying that he'd like to to bulk up the defense a little bit. And in Dubis's tenure, he always kind of skimped and pinched pennies on the D. Uh, and the the one guy he committed to was an offensive defenseman in Morgan Riley, who's fantastic at what he does. But his priority is driving offense from the back end. So you have four forwards and one defenseman who are all thinking goals. It just doesn't have the right balance. So. Uh, Trey Living has, has built some pretty sturdy decors in Calgary. And I think that's an area where he'd probably like to allot some of the other money. So how he goes about that, we're, we'd just be guessing right now. But it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. And uh, we all know his history with moving big players in, in Matt Kachuk. So uh, he's not afraid of the big deal. Dougie Hamilton traded for him, traded him away. So he, he he's no stranger to making, pulling the trigger on a blockbuster.
1: Craps baccarat roulette blackjack which one blackjack blackjack okay yeah i good. like cards i like cards i am with you on that one i would be a blackjack <laughs> guy as well
4: we'll let you get to the tables or the breakfast <laughs> buffet,
1: whatever might be yeah. in store ahead of tonight's game one between the gold have a good at earl, earl of, of sandwich Sanders. luke
4: earl of sandwich okay there's an Earl of
1: Sandwich in Winnipeg, Ezzy. You don't have to go to Vegas <laughs> for Earl of Sandwich. It's right around the corner. It's not. I
4: never far said far that it was
2: exclusively in Vegas. I just said, you know, maybe try out Earl of Sandwich. It's a good okay. good spot.
4: I haven't uh, tried it yet.
1: Don't don't take food advice from him. I'll do, I'll do it
4: when I'm in Winnipeg next. There time.
1: you go. Come to Winnipeg. We have one. I'm pretty sure there's got to be one in Toronto if there's one in Winnipeg. It's uh-huh. not an exotic
0: location. Luke Fox I never Scorsese. said it was
2: exotic. Who said it was exotic? I just said, it said go delicious. try it
0: out. <laughs> it's more of a late night, enjoyable thing. Oh, okay. yeah, Luke, okay, that's yeah. what you're going to do. At the, end of the, at the end of the evening, you're not going there for dinner. Let's put it that way. Okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, Luke, thank you. Enjoy tonight's game one. Enjoy Vegas. We'll do it again real soon. All the best.
4: All right, have a good day, guys. Thanks, Luke.
1: Thanks for, Thanks for having me There he goes, Luke Fox from Sportsnet.ca. Sorry, During I didn't realize that Drew
2: was the Vegas culinary yes.
1: expert. I apologize, sorry, Drew. Sorry, Gordon Ramsay over there. You know, there's – I mean, Vegas is a foodie destination now, and he's sending someone to go to Earl of Sandwich for Pete's sake. Hey,
0: you whoa, know? maybe that's what he likes. That's, that's why the, people are going to
2: Vegas? To, I think there's other things happening in Vegas aside from the food, Drew.
1: The food scene is is actually one of the main drivers uh, in Vegas nowadays. Yeah, in keep addition it,
0: to the, keep the show – the, yeah. Keep that to your little foodie it's not, channel. It's not Are the you?
2: casinos. It's not the NFL team it's, or the NHL team. It's the food. You're right. It's,
1: the food is huge. You don't know what you're talking about. Yet again, it's not. Enjoy your air conditioning and shut up for a minute. How about that? We'll go to break. When I don't have come. any
2: air conditioning, but I'll <laughs> shut up.
1: You go. We'll come back with more jet talk Saturday morning. It's the illegal curve hockey. You know?
3: Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over thirty years. Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends, or book your office or birthday party, even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Hi, Ez.
1: A strange question for you. But why are you lying on the ground being crushed by a piano? Well, Drew, I
2: definitely tried to carry this baby grand piano down the stairs by myself, and somehow I failed miserably.
1: Right, right. I'm sorry. That was a silly question on my part. My apologies. Would you like me to call Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage to help you move the piano? They are the most experienced piano moving company in Winnipeg, after all.
2: Yes, please call Rolly's and hurry. This piano is very, very heavy.
0: Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage offers stress-free residential moving services while taking great care of your personal belongings, including your piano. At Rolly's, no job is too big or too small. For more information, visit rollies.com.
1: Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my
2: crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center, and they whitened my teeth. I see. They're so bright
1: that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites?
5: I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com.
3: Boston Pizza harnessed Fanalytics to help optimize no-look dipping. Ooh, making adjustments? So you can stay focused on the game. The playoffs of Boston Pizza, powered by Fanalytics.
1: Big thanks to Luke Fox. Big thanks to Sean Reynolds before him joining us this morning. Some great interviews thus far on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Dave's been doing a great job. I think he's really bringing maybe about a C-plus level game to the table today. But we'll forgive him. I understand it's hot where he is. So hopefully by next week as after he gets cooled off, he'll be back to his normal A++ self.
0: His brain is currently at 102 degrees. <laughs> it is. It's. I think it's
2: still 80 degrees Fahrenheit in my house. I don't know if you guys or anybody listening or watching right now can can hear. There's some copper piping and some different uh, sounds happening in the basement. But I've been told that a couple of hours from now, we're going to have AC, which uh, obviously couldn't come at a, a better time. This last week has been pretty rough. Like I was telling Dave right before we came on air Last night, I literally just slept in my undies without any sheets or any, like, I was just spread eagle. My family's out at the lake <laughs> right now, God so I was just, almighty, all the sheets were image. off, and I was just, luckily, we have a, a We'd like to apologize
1: fan. to our viewers and our listeners for that image. For that visual. That's oh, I said night. undies.
2: I didn't say I was sleeping in the nude, Drew, so obviously I <laughs> Honestly, kept it classy. These
1: might be worse. I mean, I, I mean, now I'm picturing your underwear, and nobody wants that. It's really horrifying all around. But I don't the, wear a banana hammock. I just uh, wear
2: regular boxer briefs. <laughs>
1: Well, at least we're thankful for that, I suppose. I suppose that's. I think. A I think Scott.
0: I think Scott Swale speaks for everyone. I don't, when he said, "When he says, my mind can't unsee that visual."
1: That's my yes, exactly right, and, and it's something that's going to be traumatic, and uh, we'll provide counseling a little bit later on. I but could just give f-
2: one more shout out, sorry, quickly to Bill from Tropic Mechanical. I'm hoping that with each shout out, that's going to take about fifty dollars off of my new uh, air conditioning <laughs> unit. So that's Bill from Tropic Mechanical. He's a great guy, does great work. I saw a few people in the chat have used Bill as well. So and 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 also, like, just a shout out to him, and he's and he's got a. Uh, his coworker, Joey here, shout out to anybody who's working in this heat, like anybody across Manitoba or anywhere right now where it's super hot, because like you have a lot of people doing manual labor, construction, stuff like that. And it's going up to like 35 degrees Celsius. So just want to get it in there. Those guys are our heroes right now.
1: That's well said, uh, Mr. Ginsburg. Yes, they deserve credit, and also the GoFundMe for Ezzy's air conditioner. We'll put the link up on the screen in a little while time, you know, so that you can contribute to making sure that Ezzy no longer has to sleep. Uh, I don't need that, Drew. I just
2: emptied out your kids' piggy banks.
1: <laughs> That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. I hope you found some good, uh, some some good doubloons in there or something along those lines. Uh, you know, uh, I'll give Ezzy credit that despite the heat, he was still able to think at least in the lead up to this show, and he asked. He made a good point that the Jets only have three players under contract currently signed. Uh, after the 24-25 season. And that's a couple years ahead, of course, but it's not that far away. Uh, and that's Kyle Connor, Josh Morrissey, and, and Adam Lowry. They're the only players that are still going to be uh, under contract to the Jets a few years from now. Of course, the Jets can re-sign additional players, as we all well know. And some of those players that I haven't mentioned aren't going to be UFAs just yet, but they're not currently under contract. The question that Ezzy posed, and I think it's a worthwhile one to, to leap off with uh, on a conversation, is how important as the Jets retool, presumably retool their roster this offseason. And of course, that is a, a significant presumption. Is you know, how significant is it for the Jets to get players back who are either under a long-term contract or are under team control for a number of years? We know the Jets don't want to acquire somebody who's a year or two years away from free agency because of the Likelihood. I mean, you can say likelihood, really, that they might just you know, be in the same position a couple of years from now where that player says they're not going to resign. So how important is it that the Jets are getting a player under control, under team control with a number of years under contract as they're trying to figure out the moves that they make this offseason?
2: Yeah, I think it's very important. And, you know, I emailed that to you guys yesterday. And I have to be honest, like, it wasn't something that I'd been thinking about, you know, since last weekend's show. It, it basically came about because I forgot if Kyle Connor had two years left or three years left on his deal. And he obviously mm-hmm. has three years left on his deal, but Josh Morrissey guys is the only guy on the jets who has more than three years left on his deal, right? Morrissey's got five years left on his deal, which I think at 6.25 million, I know Dave M would agree. That's an absolute steal. I think you could ar- easily argue, you know, Morrissey's an $8 million a year defenseman, maybe even higher, but I just, I started to look at the the contracts and, you know, you mentioned it, Drew, like, Two years from now, Connor Morrissey and Lowry are, are the only guys that are currently under contract. And obviously, like you're going to have Cole Perfetti, Dave, for example, in, in his second contract. So Perfetti's obviously going to be under contract. You're going to have Rutger McGroarty. He's going to play one more year at the University of Michigan. But we expect after two years, I think you boys would agree, and most people would agree, Rutger McGroarty is going to turn pro after one more year. So Rucker McGordy is going to be on his entry-level deal. Chaz Lucius is another guy. You're going to have him on his entry-level deal because we expect, you know, two years from now, he's most likely going to be on the Jets roster, right, Dave? So I just think it's interesting when you look at it, like the Jets just don't really have a lot of guys and under on long-term contracts. And, you know, a lot of the focus here in Winnipeg has been on Scheifele, Dubois, Hellebuck, and Wheeler. And we expect, you know, at least one of those guys, if not a couple more, to be moved. Um, but it's just interesting because you have a lot of guys that only have two years left on their deals and, and those guys aren't talked about, right? Like I'm talking about Nick Ehlers, for example, who's got two years left at $6 million. He's going to need a new contract and I think you expect him to get paid more. Neil Pionk, two years left in his contract. Nate Schmidt, Mason Appleton and obviously Schmidt and Appleton are more depth players. Um, you know, compared to Ehlers, who's obviously, you know, one of your most talented wingers. But I, th- I think it's just interesting to consider that, right? So when you're talking about possible trades involving Hellebuck or Shafley or, or Dubois, I think you have to get a guy who's kind of in that kind of 22 to 25-year age range, especially when you're talking about centers. And that's why I think Kenny Wiebe, our good friend, one of the guys that that he included in his article was Martin Naches, right, who's a center, obviously, and I believe he's – uh I have to just check here. Yeah, he's 24 years old. I was going to say 23, but 24 four years old. So same age as Dubois. So mm-hmm. I think when you're talking about, and we have obviously no idea, again, going that's what makes this offseason so fascinating for the Jets, right, boys, is that we have no idea who's going to get traded first. Are, are there going to be three trades, four trades, zero trades? But you would have to think that the Jets are looking for a player who's already under a long-term contract or a guy who you think you know, after a year or two when his current contract expires and he becomes an RFA, they would sign him. And obviously, you know, Marty Natchez, Dave, that, you know, is, is a guy who applies there because he's got one year left on his deal. $3 million, by the way, is a great cap hit for Marty Natchez, right? He's a really good player. Um, so I think it's really important. And it's just something, you know, I just thought it's not something that's talked about a lot. And and obviously, you know, the, that's, a, that's a, a position of strength, I think, for the Jets when you're talking about, you know, some of these contracts... That have become albatrosses, namely, you know Blake Wheeler's. But when you're talking about like a Neil Pionk, for example, I think Pionk is a great defenseman. But you could argue that you know that contract has not aged well. You know he's making 5.8, 5900000 dollars a year for two more years. And again, at the time, I think most people thought that was the right decision. Um, or Nate Schmidt. Again, I, like I love Nate Schmidt. I think he's one of the best characters on the team, Dave. And I'll let you mm-hmm. get in here because I'm rambling on. But I just think it's interesting, you know, to look at this at a macro level right? Like Mm -hmm. Morrissey, long-term. Connor, three years, and he's going to get a raise. I think it's just interesting to to really consider, you know, not only do the Jets have these core four guys with one year left on their deal, but they really don't have a lot of players under contract after the 24-25 season.
0: Well, and I think as just to further that thought, it really becomes a function of what does this team look like and what do you want this team to be? And if the Jets are, as you've said, looking to get guys who you can control for four to you know six, eight, seven, eight years, well, then you're going to be getting a younger team. You're going to be getting guys who are who are less established. And I guess that's the, the direction you're going to go. Again, I'm somewhat on board right now in thinking that I really only believe... I, I, I could see this Jets team, like I said, only trading Dubois, keeping Shifley, keeping Hellebuck. And if they do that, and then maybe dealing Wheeler when his contract's a little less impactful towards the trade deadline depending on what happens, of course, but, you know, maybe that, or you get rid of him earlier in the summer, but, you know, but that would require you to trade away an asset with Wheeler or to buy him out, as Drew has talked about before. So really, the issue becomes, what does this team, what is the plan for this team, as he? And that's the overarching theme for all of this, right, is what is Kevin Sheveldeo's vision? We don't get it when we talk to him. He doesn't, doesn't really lay it out. Now he's under no obligation to lay it out to us specifically, but you know, the truth is you really aren't doing it for the media. You're doing it. So the media disseminates the message to the fan base. And then the fan base says, Oh, that's the plan for the Winnipeg Jets. Cause if I the can people, get on
1: board. Here's my check. Here's my sure, money.
0: Because if the people who cover the team on a daily basis mm-hmm. and we do as do our colleagues and you're saying, well, you're not really sure what the plan is for the Jets. What is the, now we'll have a better idea in theory, come training camp than we do right now. And again, it's not the Jets responsibility to keep us up to date, but again, drew it is
1: their responsibility to the paying customer.
0: That's my whole point is that we're not the ones who initiated a campaign to sell tickets at the end of last, just before the, or just before the playoffs. So the reality is you're the ones who did that. And if you're going to do that and you're going to ask Manitobans to spend thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars to support your product, what is the vision? What am I supporting? Am I buying tickets to support an up-and-coming rebuilding team that is going to be young and hungry? And, you know, again, I don't think that Jets fans would necessarily shy away from that, but they want to know what the vision is. And so as it's a great question because I think it ultimately gets to the heart of the issue, and that is the uncertainty, the idea that how do we start the show? We're talking about the summer of Chevy, and now this has got to be his responsibility to kind of get everything on, you know, get everybody on board and figure out what the plan is well, again, like I said, there's no obligation to explain what your plan is to us specifically. So we could say, oh, well, here, this is the Jets' plan. And then we could go from, then we could be discussing whether we agree with it or disagree with it. And that's our prerogative as a show that focuses on that those sorts of things. But right now, our, our thing is, we don't even know what the plan is. We don't know the way the direction is going to be. And like I said, I'm every single day focused on this Jets team, the Moose, the Ice, whatever, hockey in Manitoba, legalcurve.com. But the fact of the matter is, if you can't necessarily say, well, this is what the vision is. Again, if it, if you knew that your season ticket base was 15,000 and you didn't have to worry about that again, then you could just figure out your plan, but you're trying to, at the same time, you know, at the same time, you're trying to uh, figure out a plan or express a plan. You're also trying to sell tickets. So that's the problem for the jets. And that's why I think Kevin shovel day off. It was incumbent on him. And I don't think he did a good job of it, of expressing what the way this, what was the plan for this jet team? Because the players, The players themselves, they weren't able to express it. And that, to me, was disconcerting.
1: Well, you know, I go back to my question that I asked Sean earlier. You know, I I just don't know if you're Rick Bonus, how you walk into that room if the the, the vast majority of the same guys or the the leader of the guys who just knifed you a couple months ago are still there, how you have any credibility in trying to coach that team. Why are they going to listen to you? You've already you've tried, you know, to 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 get what you can out of them. You tried being gentle. You've tried tough love. And and all they did is, is, is just really just say to you in, in no uncertain terms, we don't care what you think. We don't care what you say. We know better. I, I just don't know why you're why you're signing up for that again. It's almost like, you know, it just seems like you're just I know the paycheck is significant and I'm not going to begrudge somebody getting their paycheck and everything else, but why does Rick Bonas need that? What, you know, what's going to change if the, if the roster is the same?
2: Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I think everyone agrees that there needs to be some level of change. I mean, look, there's some Jets fans that want all four members of the core four to be traded and they want massive changes even more, right? Like throw in a couple more defensemen, like, a lot of people want those quote-unquote scorched earth types of moves, but that's just not Kevin off style. But I do think this summer is going to be different. Like, I, I agree with Dave. and I, I mean, just because we think that Dubois is going to be traded first doesn't mean that Dubois is going to be traded first. But, I mean, if you just connect the dots, it, it, which obviously, you know, there there aren't enough dots. I mean, the big one for me is the Hellebuck and Shifley contract extension talks, right? Like, is that even – has that started? Has that ended? Um, has it even happened yet? Right. Like, so I, I think that's the big one. I, I think, you know, Dubois is a, another thing where you expect there to be some level of contract extension talks. Right. But um, I think it goes to the culture of this team and how this team wants to play. Like just going, you know, I was while you guys were talking, I was looking at, you know, some other players, you know, some potential partners for the Jets. And like, you know, we talked about the Carolina Hurricanes, Kenny Weeb's article from uh, about a week ago, 10 days ago. And another team that clearly needs a, a goaltender is the LA Kings, right? Like I, like, I look at the LA Kings, and I mean, they're not trading Andre Kopitar. I think you guys would agree Kopitar is going to most likely finish his career there. Mm-hmm. But you've got two centers in Quinton Byfield and Philip Deneau, right? Like, so I'm not saying that, you know, Shifley is going to be traded for Philip Deneau or Pierre Luc Dubois is going to be traded for Philip Deneau, but four years left at $5.5 million a year. Does that not just make a lot of sense for the Jets, right? Like, 30 years old, same age as Shifley, right? Like, again, I'm not trying to spread rumors here that the Jets and the Kings are, are imminently about to be trade partners, right, Dave? But I'm just saying, like, these are the types of players Or Perry Jesperi Kotkaniemi, right? Like, a, a lot of people will say probably in the chat, no thanks on Kotkaniemi. He's only 22 years old, right? And he just had his career year, and he was pretty good for the Hurricanes in the playoffs. Obviously, you know, not so much in the conference final. Um, but Kotkaniemi, 22 years old, you know, I think he's got four or five years left on his uh, manageable cap hit, right? So I think when you're talking about, you know, what type of players that Chevy is looking at, I I think these are the types of players that are in in, in the conversation, right? Like, I don't think that, you know, you're going to bring in a 34 or 35 year old who's got one year left on his deal. Like, I do think that even though we expect the Jets to be retooling, not rebuilding, um, I I think, you know, what Chevy does is ultimately going to tell us what the direction of this team is. One thing is for sure, boys, the Jets are not rebuilding. I mean, there's just no indication, nothing that that we've heard or read or heard, you know, the conjecture or speculation yeah. leads you to believe that. So I think everybody expects Chevy to, to take his time here. And that's why I think, you know, all Jets fans are expecting a bunch of trades to happen, you know, the week leading up to the draft. I, I just think you should temper your expectations. Could there be a move? Possibly. But I just don't expect all these moves to happen because there's so much uncertainty because one trade could affect the situation of another player who could be traded.
1: Uh, yeah, and I don't, I, I think that, that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I just wish the organization was a little bit more honest and a little bit more forthcoming. Not with you know their moves, not with coming out and publicly saying we're going to trade X, Y, and Z, but just a little more forthcoming with how they perceive themselves, where they think that they stand and what the game plan and the approach will be to returning the team to being a bona fide Stanley Cup contender because they're nowhere near that level. And ultimately, that's the level you need to be at. That is where you need to be. That's the goal of each and every year. Not that you're going to be a a Cup contender every season because that's just not realistic, but the goal is incremental progress to always be close to that level. And the Jets are a long ways away from there and they just refuse to acknowledge to uh, you know, to their fan base how they're going to get back to the level that they want to be at and how every team is striving to be at that level. Uh, interesting piece of news coming out, not Winnipeg Jets related, but Aaron Portsline sent out a tweet talking about the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, coaching search. And mm-hmm. of course, Pascal Vincent, former uh, Manitoba Moose head coach, a lot of ties to the Jets organization has been a front runner for that job. It doesn't sound like it's going to be him. Uh, Portsline tweeted, the Blue Jackets are taking longer than they wanted or anticipated to hire a coach, but the delay this week is not due simply to their own deliberations. Something or someone is holding up the process. Ooh, it will be fascinating to see this unfold, hopefully soon. Yeah, well, you see that's, Andrew Griggs, is follow up? that's what I'm following up with. Darren Dreger quote tweeted that this is a minute ago and Dreger and a lot of the Whoa. TSN guys are at the Memorial Cup in uh, are at the Memorial Cup this week and apparently according to Dreger it's likely to be Mike Babcock as the head coach what? in Columbus. Yeah, that Mike Babcock is apparently the choice for the Columbus Blue Jackets, but his contract, his existing contract with the Maple Leafs expires uh, towards the end of this month. So that's the holdup. They're waiting for his contract with the Leafs to expire, and then he will... What's babcock Babcock uh, been
2: doing? He definitely has not been coaching because University of Saskatchewan, that lasted... That was very short-lived. It
1: was about a one year, uh, a few months or something like that. I, I don't think, you, I don't think he's about, been coaching
2: for great, the last couple of years
1: i think it's a great hire in columbus i i, I, I think it's a well he's a great all, guy a great I person think that you know Mike Babcock, <laughs> look he's not a, he might not be a great guy and hopefully he's learned from that but he doesn't deserve to be canceled forever because what he did was not what i would describe as you know that terrible he maybe had some missteps and he maybe uh handled himself in a manner that is no longer acceptable or but it wasn't abhorrently unacceptable if you want to you know if you have a scale of of bad I don't think it was at the the far end of the scale well when he's when like, I think of who, who
2: would be there. the best when I think of who would be the best coach for Patrick Lyon and Johnny Gaudreau Mike Babcock is the first person that comes to mind
1: you know what Mike Babcock had a lot of years of success and if he's changed his approach yes he if he's changed with how he deals Come with on players, how old
2: is he he's in his 50s like he's not changing at this point
1: I don't know. I think you know if you're Columbus and you need to and you need a, a to make a a bold coaching hire, I don't have a problem with this one. I really don't. Columbus will
2: be problem. horrible next year, so I don't know if it really matters.
1: Well, I mean, you know that that's a sep- that's a separate issue entirely. But I don't have a problem with this hire. I think it's a fascinating hire, and I think it'll be, uh, you know, it'll be a fascinating.
2: Couldn't uh, happen to a better guy.
1: Storyline, as he, you know, that's fine. We're both entitled to uh, disagree on this one, and one of us is going to be proven right, and one of us is going to be proven wrong as usual. But nonetheless, that news coming out late on this Saturday morning, Mike Babcock seems to be in the driver's seat to get the
0: job in Columbus. What about
2: Pascal in Calgary, Dave?
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, and Elliot Friedman reporting yesterday that Pascal is going to be. He was interviewed, I believe, in Columbus, and he'll be okay. interviewed by the Calgary Flames as well.
1: Should be interesting. We'll bring you all the latest, of course, as it pertains to the Winnipeg Jets and anything tangentially related to hockey in Manitoba on our website. That being, of course, illegalcurve.com. dot com.
0: Gotta give a sp- shout out to my parents' fiftieth anniversary for Gary and Cheryl tomorrow. So I want to make sure that uh, I-, I give them a-, a mention. My mom's probably watching right now. So uh, happy 50th anniversary to my happy parents. Happy anniversary,
2: Gary and Cheryl. I-, I still appreciate you letting me stay at your condo in Florida back at the 2015 draft. It was beautiful. Did
0: they have air conditioning? They did, thank God. Oh, yeah. I mean, in Florida,
2: <laughs> Drew, you know, you go down south to, you know, Kentucky and-, and Nevada and other places. I mean, I was just checking the weather, though. We had Luke Fox on, obviously. The weather in Vegas is not, I mean, it's two hours behind still, but I mean, it's 82 degrees in, in Nevada and 80 degrees here. So it's for, what I'm saying is basically Manitoba is
0: the
1: Vegas of the north. And so you you're go. the Sylvia Kuzik of illegal curve uh, weather people. <laughs> I so, was going to say John yeah.
0: Saunders, but uh, yeah. whatever, same I, difference.
1: I wanted to go way back. I wanted to bring Sylvia, give, give Sylvia some dap, which she's been I'm out of a lot John line, like, Sauter guy long. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho, I'm just gonna, I, let
0: me, let me bring it back to my parents because, uh, you know, they're going to give them a shout out. So, uh, shout out to them, uh, for, for, for making it 50 years and being great parents.
1: There you go. The congratulations on a happy anniversary to him. big party, Dave, that you threw for them.
0: No, they didn't want any party. So they're going to, they got a new cottage. They're going to go and Cheryl a party. little bit, a little more low key. I like that. Like me,
2: low key. Like for my 40th birthday, it was just exclusive friends only. That's why you weren't invited, Drew.
1: (laughs) (laughs) On that note, big thanks to Sean Reynolds. Big thanks to Luke Fox for joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Happy birthday to
0: Lisa. It's my parents' anniversary. It's also her birthday.
1: There you go. In case you missed any of the program, the instant replay available on our YouTube channel, the podcast will be up soon as well. We remind you, of course, to smash the like button, to subscribe to the YouTube channel, to subscribe to the podcast, and leave us feedback Want to say a big thank you to all the sponsors of Illegal Curve who make the post game show, the Saturday show, the website a possibility. Our friends at the Rady JCC. Reminder: It's less than two weeks, or it's two weeks from Monday. The Rady JCC Sports Dinner featuring Ed Belfort, Chris Chelios, Jeremy Roenick. Three legendary members of the Chicago Blackhawks will be in town. Tickets available, radyjcc.com. Get them before they're sold out because I know they are very close to selling out and you're going to want to hear. I mean, the idea of Roenick and Belfort and Chelios with a live mic, you know that's going to be an interesting night. So get your tickets for that. And the three of us will be there, Drew. What's that?
0: The three of us will be there.
1: And we'll be there as well. Unlike, so you can-
0: unlike, uh, you know, a couple, like what was it, a couple of Tuesdays ago where we were yeah. supposed to all be together and then we couldn't. It was just me as a single representative. People looked at me, but they were a little confused. They need all three of us standing beside each other and it'll be like an official greet meet and greet. Right. Well, the and thing I'm they're...
2: most looking forward to is I'm going to be bringing one of my old Sherwood hockey sticks. And I'm just going to hand it to Chelios and I'm going to ask him to cross-check Drew in the back. So that's what I'm looking <laughs> forward to.
1: I'm looking forward to that as well. I can't see any downside from my perspective. Our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, if you're looking for something to do tonight, Matthew Broussard at Rumors, 715, 945. He's been there all week. Hilarious. And Brian's had- brother's coming too. There you go. I had an opportunity to see him on Thursday night. So I highly recommend if you're staying in the city and you're looking for a nice air-conditioned venue, Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club should be that destination. Our friends at Linden Market Dental Center, Zapia Group Realty, bethway they're the title sponsor of the post-game show, Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, again, Big news on the Boston pizza front. Just as soon as the NHL releases the schedule for next season, we'll have some big dates to announce that you can mark on your calendar to come see Illegal Curve live at Boston Pizza for the postgame shows. Lots of spicy pizza.
2: pierogi pizza coming up for us, right, boys?
1: There you go. That's what we want. We want Ezzy with all the spice in his system. How could that be bad for anybody involved at all? Our friends at Seagram's, Rolly's Transfer, Grid Park, and The Keg support these fine businesses because of their continued support of illegal curve. Also talking. support Bill
2: from Tropic Mechanical. I realize he's not an official sponsor, sponsor yet, yet. Um, but he's working in, uh, you know, like we talked about 30 degree heat right now. So again, big shout out to Bill from Tropic Mechanical for making sure that my family has air conditioning.
1: There you go. Everybody, stay hydrated, stay cool, have a great rest of your weekend. Whatever you're doing, stay safe. For Dave Manouk, for Ezra Ginsberg, I'm your host, Drew Mandel. If it's Saturday, it's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show.
2: Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.